Hey, what's up, everybody? You are about to listen to episode seven of These Spaces, featuring the creators and founders of Fractional, the leader in fractionalized NFTs. It's a great episode exploring the ins and outs of fractionalization and the benefits it brings to the NFT community. The conversation is pretty long, so it's been broken into two recordings, with part two being episode eight. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Spotify and Apple iTunes to make sure you catch all future episodes of These Spaces. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. I'll tweet it out. Sites live some of what's up there so liquidity is already added so people can yeah so i'll say i'll give a really quick overview kind of what you're going to see here um in general but uh you know our site is really we're extremely not opinionated about what you do with your erc20 fractions uh kind of once you fractionalize an nft or, or a basket of nfts and so you know i think it is really cool and comes with a lot of cool things, but also it means that some people, you know, you fractionalize something and you're not going to provide liquidity right away, or it's not necessarily going to be available through normal distribution means. So for example, um, when you, if you go to the site and look at like the, the punks token, it's not currently available to be purchased or anything. Um, you could buy it out for $117 million if that's, uh, if that's your cup of tea, but, uh, that's because you know the the Pixel Vault team has a bunch of exotic plans for what they're going to be doing with that Punks token, uh, with their whole uh, Punks comic staking and, and burning mechanisms, and so that's not ready yet. So it's not actually you know going to be live on this on the site anytime, probably in the next couple weeks. Um, but you can still see that it's fractionalized there. Um, but for example, another another. Uh, NFT that's been fractionalized is actually a basket of NFTs, which is a full art blocks curated set that you'll be able to see. Um, and so that one is currently tradable on the site and you can go and look at, if you go to the explore page and, and click on art blocks curated full set, you can swap and trade your Ethereum for ABC one, two, three, which I feel is a very clever name that I came up with. I'd like a, a little phrase for that. Um, <laughs> uh, we, it's not the, uh, the most robust, uh, trading experience. It, it's not going to give you like, uh, historical charts or, or liquidity and all that. And if that's what you, if that's your cup of tea, I'd recommend going to, you know, a, a DEX aggregator or directly to the source of Uniswap or SushiSwap. Um, but our, our site is integrated with uh, zero X API. And so if there's liquidity for these tokens, really anywhere that you can find it, uh, our site will pull it up. Um, but it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty basic trading experience there. Um, the, the arc block set is one I'm really excited about. This is something that, uh, D's and I threw together kind of, uh, kind of last minute, but, uh, I went through and I kind of swept the floor on a bunch of stuff and D's provided, he whaled in some of the, some of the rarer pieces. Um, and it's, so you, what's kind of cool is you can see, the uh, the pieces, if you were to swap right now, like for say like ten or so pieces, um, they're they're priced at at 150 Ethereum per per fraction, which is uh, slightly or at this point might even be significantly below what the what the floor price price is for a full art blocks curated set. Um, I, I don't have the exact numbers, but the math I had done quickly based on some of my purchases, which was some of them were purchased a while ago. It's like 155 Ethereum. 
Um, and so you can also see that there's a reserve price of 203 Ethereum. So if you want to buy out the entire set, you can deposit 203.36 Ethereum and kind of start the start a buyout process, which is exciting. Um, yeah, I think that one is competitively priced enough for a buyout that we could see it, which would be pretty fun. Um, can can you yeah making a tweet right now that has pictures of all the pieces and then the um, prices for people and links to like the pools because as you said it is very competitively listed um, the floor on a few of those is already up like one or two ETH a project on some that we calculated this morning. And can you talk any more about like uh, what sort of progression or development there will be with with AB? Yeah, sure. What, what what exactly do you mean? Uh, I mean, like, um, and the NFTs are are like this sort of evolving entity, right? Like, like things are changing in terms of what they actually mean and what they contribute to. Um, and so the question kind of maybe becomes, and don't get me wrong, like I am a very big our blocks believer, <laughs> very big, um, but like, what can we see maybe um, that will evolve the idea of what an NFT is? You think? Do, yeah, do you that's, think that's actually a really good question. I so one of the things that um, what I like about art blocks a lot in particular, <laughs> to be honest, I'm like, I'm pretty late to the art blocks game. I'm like definitely by no means like an art blocks whale or an early adopter of art blocks, uh, all things considered. But, um, is like, so the on-chain generative art in general is like kind of a medium that was, is something that is almost exclusive to blockchain in so much as like, you can't really replicate it in the real world in any super meaningful way, which I think is really cool. Um, you know, as opposed to like a relatively generic tradable, uh, like JPEG NFT, you know, it, it, it's cool that it's on chain and there's the provenance of everything that goes along with that. Uh, but the actual art itself isn't really different than, than what is what you could do in the real world. Whereas with like these generative art projects, uh, you kind of like unlock some cool stuff that can't be done in the real world. Um, and so I am in no way an artist and in no way creative enough to think about kind of where that can go. But in general, the idea that um, that we're like actually using some fun, unique things around blockchain and code to create all this stuff is is very exciting to me. No, that's, that's, that sounds stellar. Like, yeah, that was like like one of my 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 main questions. It's kind of like where where things are going because like our plox has been like you know the the northern star, let's say, you know, for for where things are going, and so um, you know, kind of the question becomes like how 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 do we evolve? How how do we make these things mean something? And contribute to something. Um, and I, I think, for me, that's that's as an investor, at least for me, like that's what's my next steps. That's what I'm looking for. 
It's like, what, what is it that contributes to some evolution of not just art, but like functional art, you know, and, and not just functional art because I can put it in my living room and on a display and it looks nice, but like that means something because it did something, you know? Yeah, totally. I agree. I think that it's like still a pretty underexplored aspect of NFTs and, and crypto art, which I'm excited to, um, to like see people explore more. And I wish I was creative enough to do it myself. Not to like one idiot, but I shared the um, spreadsheet that we had for the pricing with the people in discord so that they could see that like we actually kind of put the total market cap a little under the floor. I should probably maybe put that in the tweet too. So it's obvious. Yeah. So I'll, I'll add to, I'm, I'm looking at kind of what's on the site right now. Also, I see that we just got a nifty dude added, which is some random, uh, picture of a naked man which that's, this is exactly what i wanted to build fractional for is i want to be able to to fractionally on naked pixelated men on, on the back. that's really that's key for me here what have you done gonna, well, I, I I, i've been adding i've been adding things congrats andy on on the launch very very exciting the site looks awesome i, I used it already as you know um and you know the ui everything works i mean it's great. Um, I'm excited for, yeah, I think we were talking about uh, the stock X thing the other day. Uh, I think this is like a step to that. And, you know, I'm big on like the whole physical, um, how to, how to trade physicals, how to like, you know, get liquidity to my, you know, physical comic collection or my physical sports card collection. I think this is like a step to that, uh, which excites me also. And, uh, I know we were talking yesterday about adding, uh, you know, the different uh, different types of tokens, uh, the ERC-1155, some of the older ERC-721s and uh, stuff like that. And uh, I don't know, I just, I just want to say it's really cool. I, I, the, the, whole, the site works really well. I really like it. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks a ton. Uh, yeah, that's also a good thing to add. As, as Beanie and I were, were exploring um, things to, to add to the site last night, trying to add a, a, a crypto kitty and they're so old that they don't conform to the current ERC 721 standard and so they don't uh, have um, safe transfer from so they can't be added to the uh, to the contract yeah we're gonna have to make a special factory for those or, or like a wrapper contract also the and I've noticed too with the uh, the Robbie Barrett I was trying to add that one number 163 which is the best uh, uh, well, most unique one, anyhow, of the Lost Robbies. And it, it's just one of the old tokens on Super Rare, number like 300 or something. Same thing. Uh, and I noticed that, too, on, on Super Rare. And that this explains why, it, uh, why it's not working, I guess. Because even on Super Rare, you can't start an auction for those. There's a lot of stuff you can't do on the older Super Rare tokens. So this all makes sense. I was never even aware that... I always wondered why I couldn't start an auction for those kind of old super rare tokens. And there's a lot of things you can't do. You can't like lower the price on super rare. You can only like increase it. You can't like take it off from sale. So I guess this is now it all makes sense to me why you can't because 
I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, you 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 know the whole technical. That's something that interests me. I don't. If, I don't. I don't want to you know get into too much in that. But it, I was wondering why that you know was, and now now it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it seems like the approve function on super on the original super rare contract is actually uh, just doesn't work. From what I can tell, oh, okay. I, I was like, I was okay. like in that contract last night, just trying to manually approve stuff on Etherscan, and it would just revert every single time. And I was looking at the history of the contract, and I haven't seen a, an approval transaction succeed in a while. Uh, it was unclear to me, looking really quickly at the code, why it wasn't working. Um, but it seems like that contract might be a little, a little worse for wear. Now the the punks uh, crypto punks contract, same thing, right? They changed contracts. Is that uh, was that the reason why to improve the marketplace? This, I guess this happened a couple of years ago. I actually I wasn't really I wasn't really yeah, I, I wasn't following punks when the uh, when they no, that's that's, some, that's something very different. That that was simply a shift to like make sure that like you know people could actually trade punks. It, it was a, it was a shift to like have a platform where people could actually participate in, in, in trade punks, like in a, in a trusted platform. Uh, yeah, no, no, the, the old, the old, the old punk stuff was just, just that it was old. <laughs> Whatever happened, okay, well, that, people, that could... like mint all the old punks, like a few months ago, did anything ever come of that? Is there like a actual secondary market for those? I, I didn't see the old punk. I saw these old cats, crypto cats, I think it was called or something. There were actual old punks that were found. That's new to me. No, there's basically no market for old punks. The old punk stuff is basically just uh, people who just want to remember the yes years and hold on to it because they were there. And that's it. Like, nobody's selling anything for, you know, from V1. V1 is just uh, that was so that that that's the original contract. Yeah, yeah. V V1 is an echo. Okay. It's just an echo of of something that was a flawed situation. And yeah, some people have sole access, but uh, basically, just it's just something for like OGs and and people who who were there to like you know reminisce and enjoy it, and that's it. Like that's you know. It's not something that's going to be on the market or used or in play in any way. I mean, I can tell you now, like, I'm not going to be selling, like, any of my apes or aliens from V1, so. Yeah, I feel like it's, like, a, a nice way to kind of remember things, but... Not super exactly. realistic that people will uh, have that. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's that, <laughs> that OG claimer with like a thousand plus of those punks trying to make him worth something so he can dump again because he sold all of his punks <laughs> right. before they really died. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, 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 I don't know how I missed this. I, I never even. Yeah. <laughs> you don't remember that name, Beanie? Hemba? No, I remember Hemba. I remember Hemba. What I didn't remember is that I remember this whole like crypto cats thing where people found the old contract and it kind of ruined the remember there was a little bit of a market. I think you did well selling one 
for like 40 ETH or something crazy from claiming one of those oh, wow. crypto cats. And then, then they found the first contract and then it was like, oh, well, now there's two contracts. So nobody wanted any of them. But I, I didn't hear this about the punks. This is new to me. I didn't know there was old punks. No, no. The old punks are just uh, from, from a, from a uh, released yesteryear. That's it. That's all. Uh, it, it's a flawed contract that was abandoned. Uh, yeah. It, oh, dude. oh, no, you're, I was, was going to say that contract just got brought up many times in the punks discord over, over the years, especially I think with, um, the recent, like Beanie said with crypto cats and moon cats and Ethereum and like any old contract getting rediscovered. People were like, what about V1 pumps? You know, these are more legit than Yan punks or something else i mean i can i can tell you right now like i control like like almost all the alien v1s and one third of all of the v1 apes and i can tell you right now like nothing that they're going to go to is any collector like they're they're not they're not going anywhere <laughs> Um, hold on to them forever. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe someday down the road, like you know, we can do some cool, like, commutative art piece. We all contribute, like, you know, all you know, V one punks together, some you know, smart contract to generate something cool or whatever it is. Um, but, uh, but no, like, I mean, as far as far as what I am able to control and, and do, like. They are not going anywhere. Like so, I don't think like V one punks are going to be anything anywhere. Are, are they the same punks, just different contract? Like the exact same aliens, exact same apes? They they, they are, but but the, the okay. problem is 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 a flawed contract. So so it never worked as a marketplace contract, and that's exactly why they, exactly that's why Larva Labs went to the same. So it was abandoned. It was abandoned entirely. And the community, the community. I think I, I. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say I think I got the uh, you know that proof of beauty, uh, the POB thing of the second contract. So the new contract, I have that one. That's so that's the key contract. No, you you want to sell it to me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I, I was just I was just thinking like oh, I, I I tried to get the first one and it was gone. And but now you know the second one is it seems like the one now you're saying has all the value, right? Well, no, no, the, the second they, contract. They, so the first contract they they don't they don't they don't have value is what I'm saying. They have they have they have historical value in terms of like hey that's something that occurred that we can acknowledge in terms of like our pro progression forward, but like that's not who we are and and how we are and how we define ourselves. So like. I don't know. All, all I'm saying is, like, in terms of, like... How did you end up with all of them from the, the first contract? You always had them, or you acquired them? Well, yeah, I, I always had them. I, cl I claimed them. Oh, okay. And so then you claim, when you had one in the first one, it just kind of immediately 
but you just haven't sold the ones from the first one, right? So when you claim the first one, you got the ones from the, the second one automatically when they switch contracts, right? And you just sold some of the ones from the second one. You just haven't sold any from the first. Is that right? Right, right. If you, if you, expressed and regranted everybody their claims, their claimants. Got it. So you had like all the aliens at the beginning. Yes. Wow. What's up, G Money? How's it going? Ooh, G Money in the house. What's up, guys? How are you? Congratulations, Andy. Hey, how are you? You know, I, I saw you last weekend in, in Paris and excited for the launch today. So just wanted to sign on and, and show my support. You know, I'm really excited what you guys are doing. So excited, really excited all around. Thanks, man. Are you uh, are you back home now or are you still in Paris? I think you said you were no. this past weekend, right? Uh, no, I'm, I'm in Paris. I'm going to Berlin tomorrow. Oh, damn. Nice. I love Berlin. Have fun. Yeah, it's it's my first time, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. We have two apes on stage. That feels really powerful, I'm not gonna lie. You can't really ask for a better launch than that. Hey Jimani, like what's front, what's your uh your uh <laughs> one thing that you want to walk away, walk walk away from uh Germany with? You know, experience wise. Uh-oh. Uh, experience-wise, I want to have great schnitzel, and <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just want to experience the city. I, I've heard some really good things about it. I was supposed to go the summer before COVID, and uh, my plans changed. So you know, I, I figured there's a there's a good crypto community there as well as, um, I just want to experience like what the scene is like because people say it's like a really fun and young city. Hmm. Uh, wise. So one of the things that's pretty cool that I'm about to tweet out is I'm looking at the at the Uniswap pool for the the Art Blocks token trades and and what's like I was optimistic that this would be the case but I'm excited to see it is like almost every single transaction and buy from people is like you know less than five hundred dollars or less than a thousand dollars which is just like very cool to me that you know with the with these fractional NFTs people will be able to kind of get exposure or, or start collecting something that they otherwise wouldn't have access to uh, because it's not very easy to get an art blocks for, for less than a thousand dollars. Yeah. And this lets you get some of the set too. So you own that Fidenza, that ringer and all the other pieces that have the higher market cap market caps too. Plus if it gets bought out, um, the buyout price is what 203 right now so if an auction's triggered that would also be a pretty immediate win for the people who aped it yeah it looks like there is one live buyout on the site something called visor i have absolutely no idea what it is so someone added this thing and there is currently a bit of 45 dollars to uh to buy it out I have no clue what it is, but I will be interested to see that. It seems like 
the buyout. Our first buyout is going to be an item called Pfizer <laughs> that we have no idea what it is. Someone is fucking around. Yeah, I have no clue what it is. But it seems like someone other than the person who created the the vault it's triggered the buyout. Um, I don't know. We're going to, I guess, it'll be interesting to see. I, it doesn't even have a photo. Um, so who knows? <laughs> who knows what this is? But this is the, you know, the fun and annoying part of having a fully open site where anyone can fractionalize any NFT that works. Uh, I'm actually a little uh, curious to hear of uh, stories uh, from people. People here who uh, have been trying to like explain like what NFTs actually are to their families because I, I just myself I just had a, a recent experience trying to like extrapolate like why <laughs> NFTs are meaningful and useful and invest you know an investment vehicle and why the space itself is something to be uh, paying attention to I'm just kind of curious if anybody else has any stories about this to <laughs> their experiences Personally, I don't talk about crypto, Danny. So, <laughs> wise, you know, very wise. Yeah, <laughs> but also secondly, too, you know, I've been you know a trader for a long time too in stocks and commodities and stuff like that, and people know I've done pretty well on that stuff. Uh, you know, family and friends and stuff like that. Uh, but I just, I just don't, you know, give like stock tips. It never really like, you know, it never really works out well to tell somebody something. If it goes up, they don't. Well, you right, I mean, and it goes down. They hate on you. you but know? but so like, you can't win. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I'm just, I'm just like, conceptually, like, like, like part of, part of what's happening here is a conceptual uh, paradigm shift, right? So like, it is. Yeah, it's crazy because you know, I, I, you know, I collect a lot of like comics and sports cards and stuff like that, and I think I posted something on Twitter yesterday. I'm just like, some of the crazy stuff you can buy for like, you can buy one of the. You know, some of the best comics in the world that are really rare, like less than like 100 of them with like really high grade, you know, CGC ratings for less than like a floor of uh, uh, like even a Nimbud right now. I mean, it's like crazy, right? Um, so it's hard to conceptualize that. And that, that's why I'm excited about this whole physical uh, thing and being able to like monetize that because I think there's such a huge opportunity in you know, uh, in, in physical collectibles coming on the blockchain with like a matching NFT, I think fractional is kind of like the bridge to that. And that's what we were talking before about like the whole stock X model, but that's, you know, um, but yeah, it's like some thing, like, I mean, art blocks has gone kind of crazy, right? I mean, uh, the floor of like Unigrid saying, you know, Arsene, good friend of mine. Uh, but I mean, I, it's even shocking to him that, you know, the floor is like, you know, $40,000 for a Unigrid. That's like crazy. You know, I don't know how sustainable something like that's got to be like long-term. I mean, it's the power of the crowd. We saw it with, you know, Nifty, uh, in like February with the opens, uh, of course, you know, Nifty, you know, really like the platform itself pumps a lot, right They're you know, they really thrived on the FOMO and everything. And our plots is like the polar opposite. They were trying to like rein it in, but it didn't stop the crowd from, you know, aping in. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. But, um, you know, there is a huge disconnect between physical collectibles space and the, the digital, like you're saying, like, how do you quantify that? How do you explain that to somebody? Yeah, right, right. 
becomes experiential yeah. at some point. I mean, punks is punks is justifiable. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, it, it's gone on. Even, even, you know, even, yeah, even my mom, even my mom is like, well, you know, if it's punks, then it makes sense. But otherwise, like, exactly. what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's gone up a thousand X or ten thousand X, but it's gone. You know, this has been over four years. But some of this stuff is like within like a week, it's doing like a hundred X. You know, uh, I'm a little cautious. Um, you know, I've seen this before in so many markets. I mean, it will, it will undoubtedly, uh, right, collapse. you know, not end well. Yeah, of course. And punks have collapsed too, right? I mean, it's just the, it's been a long market cycle and it's proven itself over time. But, uh, yeah. How do you explain it? How do you explain to pay like $40,000 for like a unigrid floor? I mean, are you, I mean, you're going to make that recommendation to friends and family right now. <laughs> Uh, I, I Vincent Van. Bell. I did a. Uh, I think I did an okay job explaining it this weekend to a couple of friends. So obviously I was in Paris, and uh, I you know there's a lot of a lot of really smart guys in crypto that were here, but there were also admittedly a lot of guys that didn't really still don't get NFTs. So what I did was I took them shopping with me in uh, in Champ or however you pronounce it, and we were going into all these stores, and you know. It, Part of it is like one, you know, I, I and I've been saying this for for months now is that you know everything in the real world is an NFT, right? And when when you start to realize that and realize the concept behind it, you're like, oh, okay, this starts to make more sense. I might not agree with it, but it starts to make more sense. And that that kind of was the conversation I was having a couple months ago. But now, you know, I, I took you know it was maybe the four or five guys that were walking around with me uh, in shopping in, in Paris, and I took them into. Louis Vuitton, I took him into Dior and where to get a protect, there's a 13 year wait list, right? To buy an AP. There's a six year wait list. And so you just. But then too, is that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the things that we ascribe value to in the real world don't necessarily have utility, right? So, you know, when people are like, oh, well, what's the utility of this? What's the utility of that? Because I can't value it. You know, I was having a conversation with someone that's, you know, they thought that NFTs were were very dumb. And I'm like, well, I think it's really interesting that you're saying that and you're wearing a pair of Gucci loafers right now, right? Because you obviously understand that there is value for something that doesn't have like cash flow but you just don't understand that it happens in the digital realm as well. And I think that that's just, you know, an education thing that, that will happen over time that as people become more comfortable with it, that um, it'll definitely become less and less taboo and, and more mainstream. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that <clears throat> it still is really funny. And I know you were mentioning this uh, to me, G, as well, that there's also some people who are even like so crypto savvy who uh, who don't.
like this is more general, but don't get blockchain or like the ownership uh, of NFTs is I say that everything that we say to you own something on paper today will be on blockchain in the future. So that when you like the only reason that you are able to enter a house and you can call the cops when somebody else enters that house is because on some piece of paper somewhere your name is written instead of that person's name. And I just say, well, in the future, that won't be a piece of paper because somebody can forge that if it's. then it's pretty easy to go into well then if you have something where it's unforgeable then it's worth something you know so i think that's a good place to start when explaining to someone uh say uh, g money g money has built his brand and built a pearlescence play palace uh around around what he's doing and so i'm curious like what would what would be the selling value like what would what would the uh the selling price be to sell his ape if, if you were to ever choose to do so like, you want to know like what ape. i would sell my ape for right hmm. right exactly oh, like it, it, strongly consider it um but yeah to, to, to your point to your point is you know there it is like a part of uh my brand and like who i am and and how right. i'm recognizable so you know it, it's funny because people are like what do you think your ape is worth i'm like well here's what the floor ape is worth i'd assume like that there's some sort of premium yeah that, you know there's definitely a premium you you were on a floor ape so So, I mean, I don't like people have been like, oh, if you get offered five for it, I'm like, no, I definitely wouldn't. I wouldn't even consider five, to be honest. You know, it's uh, it needs to be a really large number for me to even like take a second to be like, OK, you know, like this is this is, um, yeah, this me, is something that I should seriously consider. You know, mm. well, you know, you can get your liquidity through fractional. Uh, you can fractionalize your ape and still keep your ape, like uh, the beanie, uh, the beanie that I, I use profile picture. Oh yeah, for sure. Is part of the punks collection right now on the homepage. So yeah, no, there's you know I'm able to monetize that and still use it. People would still want you to use it because you are that brand, right. And, and right? that's that's yeah. definitely something I I thought about and obviously had conversations with Andy on it. Um, you know, there's there's like a multiple there's multiple different routes to go about it. I've just been I, I've been fortunate enough to that I don't need to monetize at the moment. So I can kind of take my time with figuring out the right, what I think is the right steps for me. But, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because people always ask me like, Oh, what is it worth? I'm like, I, I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like it's a one of a kind thing, right? Like if, if I, if I sold it, um, you know, there's no get like the thing, the difference between like NFTs and like ERC twenties, right. Is that 
if if I let's say buy Ethereum and then sell Ethereum five minutes later because I changed my mind, uh, I could I could buy right back in, right? Like there's a lot of liquidity there, right? If you buy or sell one NFT, uh, it's a one of one in some way, shape, or form. So it's like I could I could sell it, but there's no guarantee that I could get in anywhere close to where what I sold it at, right? So it's like you have to be making a more committed decision uh, because it's it it has bigger ramifications. Yeah, what I think is interesting is, though, you know, fractional opens up that possibility of people, you know, I'd, I'd buy part of the G Money 8 because it's like a bet on you and, you know, I'm bullish on you. And, you know, that's kind of interesting, right? And it gives you some liquidity. That's not really fair, too. If the price of your ape goes to, you know, nine figures and then you can't uh, monetize it because it's you, um, I think that's, you know, you should be able to monetize that, you know, so... I think that there's a lot of so many interesting possibilities. That's why I'm, you know, so positive on, uh, you know, fractional. Oh, yeah. In general. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, you know, one of the possibilities that I've been exploring. And again, like I've just been taking my time. Uh, I know w- when the time is right, like I know I'll, something I'll be doing something. Uh, I just I've been taking my time. But I, you know, fractional, I think is super intriguing because, again, like you said, right, it's like, you create and you you've done this with punks right where the punks comic where you you kind of you get that that ownership in the fan base which is something you've never seen before which is what makes nfts so cool is that like people can have a vested interest in your success this is kind of like uh, in, in essence like the creator tokens right the social tokens that everyone's talking been talking about for for ages now is like you can kind of do it like with nfts uh and just fractionalizing them that's a good point. This is uh, fra- fractional is like the real deal of these creator tokens because I've been super bearish on creator tokens because uh, it seems like just nonsense there. But this is this is the real. Real deal. Once you fractionalize the G money eight, that really is a creator token itself. You don't need another token, some fluff, you know, uh, token. This is the token. So I, I really, I think that's unexplored. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something I've been looking at. Um, I'd say the biggest, the biggest roadblock at the moment is, you know, no gray or no clarity on U.S. securities laws. And that's probably the number one thing that's been holding me back more so than anything else. Uh, you know, feature requests, what would be our uh, best avenue to, to do that? Would it be the fractional art uh, Twitter? Yeah, yeah, that would um, um, probably be the best place. Uh, I mean, you can always like DM me on Twitter, but I'm probably not going to see it as fast as you would get a response from talking to Twitter say... or in the, um, in the Discord. Yeah, Discord. building tab i'll archive the old testnet feedback and we'll just make like a feature request and feedback area instead long fractional art
Um, I think it'd be interesting to talk a bit about, because you mentioned it shortly or br- briefly in that last little conversation. I saw some people always ask me about this, the idea of like, am I allowed to use as a profile picture a CryptoPunk if I own 5% of that CryptoPunk? It's really funny to me that people even like ask that question because they ask it like there's some particular rule, like set of rules that they have to abide by as to what they can use as their profile picture and what they can't. But it's like literally all just the social consensus of what they can what they can do. I'd be curious to hear people's thoughts around, uh, you know, what is okay to do and not do or use and not use for an NFT. Does it matter if you own one percent or fifty one percent or? Person personally, I, I say like like fuck them all. Like, do what you want? Like, a punk is a punk, right? So be a punk <laughs> like that's that's yeah i, I agree it, it comes it comes down to provenance right. right and people believing you know what they believe look if i i fractionalize the, the beanie avatar but i'm still going to use it and i think people who own the fractions of it would want me to use it well I and, and, and i think be, like when it comes when it comes down to like crypto punks like if if you have some like like phenomenal idea that you want to like push out into the world like any reach out to Larva Labs, like if you're being a punk and you're saying I'm I'm trying to be bullish on this this idea that I I've committed to, I think they're gonna they're they're gonna sign off. Like so, if you're worried about like you know lawyers, then I would say don't. And and I would say if you're worried about being sued, I would say don't. And just forward <laughs> just move forward do what you want i don't know i mean i i'm very i think i i think pretty much everyone on this stage is is probably on the same page where i am very much laissez-faire on on this stuff right you know when when i bought my punk uh the for like the argument and i guess this is a testament to the evolution in the space whereas pretty much i think 90 percent of uh, the comments when I created my my initial thread was like, oh, I you know, right click save, right click save, and we've gotten past that point where people know that there's value in provenance, right? Like, and you can check it on chain, and you know, there's I I'm totally okay with like derivatives and and people using it as as their screen name, as their as their avatar picture. I I, I just think that the more laissez faire and the less legalities uh, we have with regards to nfts and you know uh people suing and dcmas and and all this stuff the better and the faster the space will progress right because it's in the spirit of open source that's now sadly that's probably not the way that uh it will play out but you know that's the way i think i'd like to see it play out personally I think it also brings a lot of value too. I mean, people troll me all the time by do using a beanie avatar and they think that's like hurting me, but it actually brings more value. And I've seen <laughs> they were doing that too before G money. And, and you were like, this is great. yeah, No, you know, it's bringing way more exposure to my brand. Yeah. So, I mean, it's- like, like literally <laughs> when, when I first bought my, my ape, I was like, dude, I want to meme this like as much as possible. Right. Like I want, I want everybody to have it as their profile picture, you know, <laughs> because I just want it to be so noticeable. Right. And that's, I think, with it, and that's what you want with any IP, right? Like if you create something, and I think that's something that Board Ape has done really, really well, 
is that yes. they fostered uh, a community that will create their own content. So instead of, let's say, having a handful of, you know, the actual creators working on it, you have, you know, uh, uh, a community of, what is it, 4,000, 4,000 active wallet holders, right, that, that are actually pushing the brand forward every day, which to me is incredible. Yeah, I agree. That's like a, it's, it's very interesting to see like the difference between like how board apes and, and like punks have kind of, they, they've both grown, but with like very different kind of ways that the community has been empowered or, or not so empowered by, by the creators. Um, I think that apes are definitely a step in the right direction with all that stuff. Let, let me ask Straybit since he's here. And he was an original punk claimer, one of the biggest. Uh, is the Board Apes community a lot like the punks community in 2017 before the rest of us or most of the rest of us were around? Oh, man. That is a very difficult question. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of uh, early zealotry, let's say. Um, but past that, I mean, it, it was always about community. You know, that that was what that's the binding point. That that is that is literally the point of why we're doing all this, really, and and why are the the art, the pieces that we express and share, uh, you know, have meaning, and and why we can f find some sort of like commonplace to you know share them but like i i, I, I just don't want this to you like, know get lost in in you know something myopic was it so driven by like fomo or was it more uh you know like low-key no, I mean, it was, was, it very, it was, was, very, it, was it like price? No, no, no. Floor it, concert, focus on floor. No, it was, it was very light. It was very playful. Like no, okay. nobody, nobody like was, I mean, pro profit was secondary. Everything was just playful and just like exploring okay. the space. So it's changed a lot, the scene, yes. right? Because now yes. the scene's money, oh, yes. money, yeah, yeah, money, yeah. money, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no. Okay, that's what I was trying to get at. No, it's, I mean, very much so. It's, it's you know, originally it, it was it was just a domain of like just just being playful and finding like stories, stories about like why we're connected, why your you know NFT you have is connected to my NFT. Mm -hmm. that, that's it. Which which is interesting, right? Because like 2017 was like peak crypto money frenzy right you had all the icos and that's when that's when punks launched amongst us you know frenzy but it wasn't it was kind of sheltered from that is what you're saying basically it was like it wasn't like that like pumping like crazy ico community that was going on in crypto at the time it was like sort of uh, a shelter from that and very art driven but uh now we're kind of seeing i think if if i'm right we're seeing almost like that ICO frenzy uh, among this, uh, among the space right yes, now. Right? Yes. It's, it's gone completely different. Yes. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I don't judge anybody for like, you know, wanting to like, you know, get theirs and <laughs> be able to walk away and be happy with, 
you know, making off with their fortunes. Um, but yeah, like originally it was, it was about simply just simply stories and, and connecting and, and that was it. That was, that was the point. So it was more like people that were interested in art rather than uh, speculators. I mean, I mean, okay. Uh, or technology, I, mean, was, I guess. There was speculation because, I mean, we, we were all playing with these idea, ideas of like, you know, what this dude who had this expression of these features could mean in some maybe forward future, <laughs> you know? Like, there, there wasn't some, you know, there was an anticipation, you know, of maybe what it can mean. Yeah, I got it. And, and how we could, like, how do you... frame it maybe amongst ourselves. But, like, no, nobody knew. Nobody knew, like, would it be worth one ETH? A hundred ETH? Like, you know, <laughs> who knew? No, it was like it was like Bitcoin. A lot of people were using Bitcoin in 2011, stuff like that, actually using it. But not many people actually thought, hey, this Bitcoin's actually going to be worth something. They were using it as a currency on different sites or whatever. Precisely. But, you know, it's the same thing, right? Um, so how do you feel about uh, – sorry to put you on the spotlight. No, hey. It's just a good opportunity to talk to like an early, you know, claimer uh, um, who was there. How do, you, how do you feel about the space today? Like right now? Um, it feels like a mix of both uh, the, all the bullshit and horribleness of the ICO stuff, but also all of the uh, inspiration and art of what what became NFTs. So, I mean, I know that's not a clear answer, but like, um, I'm I'm looking forward to the horizon. I don't know what to tell you, uh, other than um, I think that. Uh, NFTs are here to stay, and uh, they're going to mean something to everybody. No, it's good. I appreciate the 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 answer. So I, I noticed worth? that we have a. <clears throat> go ahead. Go ahead, and then I'll go. No, I'm done. I noticed we have our uh, our five eyes. Uh, owner in the chat now. If you want to say, yeah, he snuck up here. What's going on, guys? How are you doing, man? Pretty good. You're a master marketer. I've been seeing you going to work here. Well, I've been trying to drop some subtle hints uh, the last few days, and then uh, actually had one person reach out to me and, and said, "I know what you're doing." Um, somebody that owns quite a few X copies. <laughs> <laughs> I was dropping um, hints. I was using five eyes as like the emoji every time that we tweeted about X copy, but I don't really think that was too obvious. I'm going to be honest. I didn't even realize that was what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, I just kept putting five eyeballs. Well, let me just say that for having notifications of most people that are on this stage right now on, I it was clear that that was what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you got it. Who does yeah, insider mean, trading when you've got Twitter notifications on? Huh. Um, is anybody going to bid on Visor, uh, get the first fractional buyout? I think that could have historic value. 
There's Providence. <laughs> if I had any idea. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, it's only a it's at point zero two. I'd go to like point one at least just to have the first, you know, the Providence value of the first Doe bio. Just bought one of my construction tokens I had listed at twenty Ethereum. My man. What, do we know? Does anyone? I guess no one knows who it is. What's this? What's the story with this guy? Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to take away from. No uh, worries. From talking about five eyes uh what's no, the story I'm, with vincent it's cool I'm, I'm i've got time all right what's the story with vincent van doe he just like randomly showed up one day this is this dingaling's alt account or something i think everybody wants to know dc investor has been tweeting the same thing <laughs> <laughs> we we really want to know yeah And and they've been like almost I mean, exclusively so many... buying art blocks, right? It looks like it, but and like I said earlier, one one whale really changes the market. I mean, it's it's incredible. And, um, and in but the, it could be it could be an alter ego of somebody. And in the I big mean, scheme of things, it's it's not an incredibly large sum of money in in the art world. He's, I mean, two thousand no. ETH has completely changed the market and that's four or five million dollars mm-hmm. does anyone know what percentage of the buys in the last two weeks are his i mean it's not all of him it's just partially him or her it definitely triggered it you know because it raised a lot of floors like you, you know a lot of floors like doubled and tripled in like a matter of days but you know we've seen it in the x copy market too right um with uh, a couple big buyers uh first was you know four one five six you know completely changed that market and uh you know my ex copies were going for 20 20 eth was like a lot back in like january <laughs> february early february for an ex seriously right i wish i would have so, found it two months uh, earlier yeah i mean even you go a couple months before that they were going for like i know 10 ETH, right and yeah. w- one thing about that i found incredible over the last I don't know, five to 10 days reaching out to some of the super OG collectors. Um, as I, as I was looking to, um, uh, add another piece, which I did the other day. Um, some of these collectors, they won't even counter offers. And I was offering 150, 175 ETH and not even receiving a counter and their cost basis is essentially zero, which is pretty incredible. What what's your uh, thesis on X copy? Uh, well, first off, I think um, I, I was initially, you know, I like hit me in the gut the first time I saw it, um, and that's usually a good feeling, whether it's a trade idea or art or whatever it might be. Um, my thesis is that um, there is probably ten, maybe twelve large holders right now, and just talking to them, no one has any intention to sell at the prices that um, they're at right now. Um, and you've got him, X Copy, being the second uh, artist to mint on Super Rare. Um, I mean, that's as OG as it can possibly become. I think he had mints two through seven on the site. Um, and um, just offline in my discussions with him, I've gotten to, t- you know, chat back and forth through uh, DMs. Um, he's really 
you know, I, I, I feel very comfortable with him on the back end, on the business side. He knows what he's doing with the amount of additions he's releasing, how spacing his, his, his one-to-one releases. And I, I don't see why he can't be, you know, our generation's Banksy or Basquiat or, or, or that, that one um, artist that everybody wants to own. And I can see that just in engagement on Twitter. Um, you can just post an S- X copy image and it gets 200, 300, whatever many likes and it's crickets otherwise. Yeah. What's also interesting is he's got all the respect of the OGs. Like I remember when I first landed in the, in the uh, punks discord uh, early January, I remember X copy came in and people were like, wow, it's X, you know, X copy. Like he's got that, like, you know, everybody loves exactly. Uh, he's yeah, he's got that. And this is before the prices even mm-hmm. took off. And I remember uh, buying one, an early one in January at like I paid, uh, he put up the, the money, the clearly money laundering one. And uh, I put in an offer of, uh, I think it was like 25 ETH at the time. And he messaged me. He's like, this is crazy, you know, like, but, you know, I'll accept that bid right mm-hmm. away, uh, you know, and, and then it just like, hey, took hey, off, Beanie. like, uh, I, sorry, yeah. I, I got a couple minutes, but I just wanted to step in just to say something about X copy because I think, and I'm sorry, I'm going to stick to the art. I'm not going to talk about pricing, but I think that the really, really interesting thing about X copy is that his kind of style and aesthetic is the definition of, of crypto art. And so when we think of people outside, you know, outside of crypto and they look at kind of the art space, they're, they're looking at NFTs. They're looking at Beeple. Beeple's the NFT artist. X copy is the crypto artist. His actual aesthetic, I think when you think about crypto art is the first thing that comes to mind. And I think, and I think aesthetically outside of that also, it's quite interesting. And so for me, like when people talk about X copy, I think when you look at the space, when you look at the kind of like the history and you pick out like this kind of flashy, grainy, grungy, like digital, but also like, you know, something, something a bit deeper, kind of like this quirkiness, he kind of nailed it all. And aesthetically, it's also really interesting. And so I got to run, but I just want to say that X copy to me is really special. Um, And also just like, I don't know them that well. I've spoken to them like a couple times, but also like seems like a great person. So I, I, I just think X copy is, is fascinating. And I really, I really agree with kind of like this thesis on X copy in the long term. But all right, I'm gonna head out. Thanks, Dimitri. Also, I was I was gonna say too that animated uh, X copy is really uh, one of the only animated things that's sort of taken off. Uh, Hakatao too, probably, but animated's really been lagging. The that's that's a great stuff. point. Yeah. And 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 if you dig into these pieces. Um, X copy is really brilliant. Like I was telling Dee's and Andy, I believe that the title of this piece is Five Eyes. Well, Five Eyes, a lot of people don't know, is an intelligence organization. Uh, the USA, Canada, New Zealand, UK, Australia, and I believe there is some sort of message in this piece, uh, considering uh, the color palette of red, white, and blue is also shared by those five nations and their flags. Um, and I've just been trying to dig for a little other Easter eggs in this one. Um, haven't quite put anything together, but, um, just, just a little tidbit. And, and, and I, and he's got stuff buried in, in, in many of his pieces similar to this.
Yeah, like hello, hello admin DM. That's like one of my favorite because it's 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 so like crypto, you know, history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've seen that in all those channels and in all the, you know, the scammers and the, the you know, with this hello, you know, trying to, you know. I, yeah, it's great. Yeah, he does some really cool stuff. That's why I was shocked the other day when I got that one uh, that was just listed there at 50 for like a while. But I, I think you said it right. That one had the – the problem is the the image, the still it's, image. It's right? just that – yeah, it's just that still image that kind of makes you uh, hesitant to even click on it. When, right, When right. there's so much like in-your-face uh, fury when you just open that who, super rare page who, and there's who nine decides? images – who decides a still image? I'm not sure right. about I that. I mean, it makes, it makes such a huge difference, right? I'm um, not sure uh, about that. I mean, as you, as an owner, I, I would, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I would love for that to be uh, changed. Yeah, yeah. This space is bad for my ETH. Just picked up an X copy. You were, you were, oh, wait, what did you buy? Like in a, 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 yep. I was about to say, like, Wait a second. Uh, but Anonymous, you said the other day, too, like about the character versus non-character X-copies. I had never heard or thought about that. And, well, the, I, I'm gonna, but, I, uh, I did say that, but I have to give 100% credit to 4156 for telling me that. Um, to uh, just look at the pricing of, of the X-copy uh, pieces that have characters or monsters in them versus the ones that are more just um, straight glitch pieces. And um, it seems as if the, the, there is uh, more demand, at least at this time, uh, given the pricing uh, for the character pieces. Yeah, you know the, the story behind the glitch pieces? Those were, uh, what Xcopy told me, were those were the ones that he used to put on Tumblr uh, to break up like noise, which was kind of interesting. But yeah, mm. uh, you know, it, it is interesting to see that now like the market's getting more sophisticated and is able to, you know, like you can buy a Picasso on Christie's this week for 50,000 and another one for, you know, 50 million. I mean, there's mm-hmm. such a huge range, but we haven't seen that in NFTs yet. Right. So Mm-mm. it's good. It's good to start to see that sophistication. And, and, and just to kind of come full circle in, um, you know, the decision to um, offer uh, fractionalization, um, you know, one thing that I found is I've been collecting over the past few months is the amount of collectors that reach out to me and inquire about additions um, looking, you know, to spend, you know, one, two, three, four, five ETH. And unfortunately, X copies ascent um, has you know, priced that buyer out of almost all of his additions. I mean, even additions of 100 are trading at four or five ETH. Um, so I think the fractionalization gives, gives um, that group of collectors, you know, looking to invest anywhere from, you know, a half of ETH or one to two ETH and, and get exposure to um, a wonderful um, X copy piece that um, would otherwise be um, pretty unattainable. I mean, I'm looking at the Art Blocks curated set we listed, and there's 73 holders already. 
which is uh, a lot more than I thought there would be an hour into the launch, honestly. Uh, we did price it competitively, but still impressive. Yeah, and the uh, Do you know how many people have bought I'm looking, right now. I'm looking 20, 25, 25 already. Nice. I really like, too, how Uniswap V3 kind of enables you to have a very concentrated, um, efficient use of liquidity rather than, like, the old 50-50 volts. Yeah, it's definitely helpful for some of these assets that, you know, yeah, fractionalize. Or I would have liked the art box curated is worth 150 to 200 Ethereum. And a full just 50-50 split liquidity pool here would have some intense slippage for any any trade of reasonable size. Hey, so yeah, I just wanted to jump in real quick since I got to work with Xcopy. And uh, I mean, yeah, there's there's no question. He's an artistic genius because... He would he would suggest these little subtle changes like hey um why don't we flood the bar and bam you know there we, we have a brand new like a the it just elevates the piece every little suggestion he would make would just elevate the shit out of the piece and I was in a constant state of like mind blown for the three or four days that we worked together so yeah he's he's really amazing and I think I think even the fact that I I I've posted this on Twitter a week or two ago when that piece came out, ACK. And, um, you know, it's just really special to see um, someone like Xcopy who has had this ascent working with an emerging artist like yourself and, um, you know, treating you as his equal. I think that says a lot about X's character. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he, I mean, he never once had that looking down on me type of feel like he was it was just fun the whole time and just exchanging tidbits here and there. And I mean, obviously every little suggestion he made would, it just improved like me as an artist and the artwork we were working on. And yeah, he's just so quick witted too, like coming up with the title and the description. I mean, it was just such an honor. And I learned, I learned more than I learned more from working with him in the three to four days than you can in a lifetime of art school. That's really interesting. That's cool. I, I don't want to uh, awesome, change the man. subject too much here, but a Chromie Squiggle just sold for 90 Ethereum. Uh, Do you know what type of Squiggle uh, it was? Perfect Spectrum. Oh, shit. Nice. Ooh, nice. There's only, I think, 20, 20 of those. Those are beautiful. They're uh, one of the rare ones. Yeah, they're nice. I don't know. I, I know for a while, Von Mises was trying to trade his perfect spectrum or one of his perfect spectrums to diamond hands for that fidenza and diamond hands is like nah i can't give you that black spiral fidenza it was well, one was... of von mrs uh squiggles that he that was sold that makes sense yeah he's been trying to trade that thing for a month now. well and i was just laughing with diamond hands that like the fact that von mrs wants your fidenza makes me even more bullish on the fidenza <laughs> Yeah, I hope Vaughn isn't in here, but basically if you're trading him um, and he wants your piece, you're you're probably taking the L on the yeah. trade. Like he's one of the sharpest dudes around. Dude, I, <laughs> the first, I think the first day I was minting squiggles, 
he slid into my into my DMs and offered me, I think, like one or two ETH for for something that I minted, and I was like, absolutely not. And you know, I was like, I, I don't need it, so I, I you know, I want to hold on to it. But then the more I interacted with him, he's probably one of the sharpest dudes in NFTs, and you know, like I like I see him, like he, he's good. You don't want to be on the other side of his trade. <laughs> He want he wanted a he still I think wants a rare century and I had I had a rare one and I was like what about this one and he didn't respond I was like oh shit I didn't buy a rare enough one. <laughs> he got a Fidenza from me like three weeks ago. The minute that I saw who bought it, I knew I was screwed. Even though I made a great deal, I was happy with the amount I got, but I knew within like a week or two I was screwed. Yeah, that's never a good feeling. <laughs> Wake up! Oh shit, Vaughn bought my listing oh man it's like when i was out at the grocery store and i had these old ignition listings going off and it was anonymous buying them and i was like oh shit what what happened with these like what what's going down what what am i missing i I didn't i don't know what i'm doing man i and a lot of my strategy is following vaughn um and the other day he mentioned genesis dynamic slices ignitions um so i just uh had some eth and i swept the floors on on those ones so that's a question, like from a trading standpoint, you take, obviously you trade into something that bonds by, but like where we just talked about Vincent Van Doe, how do you deal with that from a trading standpoint? I think if someone is putting, uh, you know, spending that much ETH um, in absolute terms and it's spread across so many different pieces uh, I think that 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 collector is not looking for 10, 20, 30 percent, um, which gives a lot of credence to, you know, thinking, well, OK, well, those are probably pretty diamond handed. And OK, what's the true floating supply here? We're getting some demand for these punk comic um tokens beanie there's people in the discord who are like why can't we swap the punks why can't we swap yeah the, the punks? people want to know beanie uh, well those are those are available to stakers of the of the comic 50 there's 100 million tokens 50 million are being uh are available for uh stakers of the comic 25 percent of those tokens or 25 million are in the in the dow in the founders vault out and then 25% of the tokens, another 25 million are uh, owned by pixel vault. So uh, I guess, I guess it can't go live until the, I, I don't know how the process will work, but um, once the staking starts, people will earn them by staking the comics. So yeah. I, I don't think it's a typical listing, right? Yeah. No, the, yeah. People are just excited. Yeah, this is one of those things kind of that, uh, that gets me really excited about kind of, all the cool stuff that can be done with with fractionalization that uh, that otherwise would you know not really be possible. But in general, just like this and the dissected MeBit that's working with MeBit's DAO to do airdrops to to MeBit's holders and and DAO members and all that stuff. And I think Kai might try to come in here at some point uh, and talk a bit about that. Uh, those like you know a little bit crazier applications and stuff that are really experimenting with what we can do. It gets me really excited about uh, kind of what the next few months will, will entail as people think of cool ideas and interesting ways to distribute these tokens. And Well, you know, you built like a protocol and, you know, I could say this is just so early right now, 
And, you know, like I've mentioned a few times already, I, I could see that, you know, bridge into physical. There's so many, there's so many things. And, and what the, you know, the Punks comics doing right now by leveraging the, you know, the fractional protocol platform is, is an innovative use case of, itself within fractional. I don't think any, any of the other products are doing that. So, uh, yeah, I might, might need some like specific labeling, I guess, for that. So people understand, uh, what's going on. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about that offline. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. We'll probably need to, uh, to up the description game on some of these things, make it a little more clear what's happening. Speaking of, uh, kind of the earlier conversation we were having about social tokens and fractionalization, um, and the creator economy just booming, I think it's definitely kind of interesting to hear G money talk about what he would or wouldn't do with his ape. And then also to just think about, you know, people's careers are longer. Like if you're an artist, you might be in one band and then in another band. And so how do you like, uh, you know, celebrate and use the fractional ownership of some asset that you branded for yourself for part of your career and then switch to another. I don't know if you guys have considered that at all. That's kind of you got me thinking about that earlier. It's actually like one of the reasons that I don't like totally get uh, like creator or social tokens sometimes when they're like specifically tied to an individual person. Like, how do you retire? If you make a social token and, you know, if I made Andy token and it had some like direct social ties to something, a discord that I was running and it made a community and all this stuff. What happens if in, you know, 30 years, there's still a vibrant community and I'm like, all right, time to retire now. I'm, I'm done doing this. Like what happens? You just doubt it. <laughs> doubt all the things. I mean, it's nice to have a, a pseudonymous name then because you can sort of pass that along to somebody else. Like that's why I brought up the band example because it's like if you're in a famous band, but then you go do a solo project, that's sort of like one model I could imagine. But I agree, I don't have a ton of models. I was like scratching for one and that's where I got to the band. I think the whole pseudonymous thing is is really interesting. Like the whole uh, metaphorical passing of the torch uh, of this identity that you know has been associated to somewhat of a persona or personality, but that somebody else could take on the mantle, so to speak. What I find so interesting about the pseudo anonymous thing is that how much trust there is in pseudo anonymous people. I mean, it's it's funny. Like I've done. Early on, I did a number of uh, transactions, big ones too, uh, with also pseudo-anonymous people. And I remember G Money, I asked him to help out as uh, as an escrow, and which he did. Thank you. And he was also pseudo-anonymous. So it's like you have two pseudo-anonymous people doing transactions with the pseudo-anonymous escrow, and everybody you know trusts each other. And I mean, it's kind of you don't see this in the rest of crypto. I mean, in like DeFi and stuff, you don't trust anybody. But in NFT, it's like, you know, I, I, I haven't been scammed. I haven't like, and I've done, you know, big deals. And I mean, I think there are trusting people in DeFi too. It depends on what yeah. you're in. Like maybe you're not as generally trusting right off the right. bat. There's plenty of strong. But it's not like tied to like their avatar. Like immediately I knew, okay, G Money's a trustworthy guy. I don't know him. I don't know his name. I've talked to him many times. Uh, no idea. But but sure. still, I immediately trusted him as an escrow. I had no issue at all sending him, you know, six figures and to like serve as an escrow, uh, you know, just based on his like avatar and stature in the community, which is like, you know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, right? Because, uh, you know, it, just in the real world, people know each other and they take extreme precautions with lawyers and contracts 
and real escrow agents that are run by like banks like escrow.com and you know stuff like that like in the domain world i mean you know people really well I, i've been trading domains for a long time and you know somebody really well in the real world and you still use escrow.com you know and it's yeah, like yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that that to me is and that to me is one of the 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 most amazing things i've come across in the space where it's like you know i i've interacted with beanie i've interacted with many other people with like deep six figure trades i'm sure andy has too and Andy's probably even done seven figure trades, but like, you know, it it's based off like a virtual handshake in a discord, right? Where it's like, okay, this is what, you know, this is what I require from you. This is what you require from me. A lot of times, like, you know, I don't know the person's real name. I don't have their phone number. There's literally no way for me to get in touch with them. But it, it to me that I think that's one of the most interesting things about what we see of like, and, and that's kind of also why I always take my my uh, interviews uh, with my my AR filter on is because I'm trying to push that concept forward to uh, to people that don't get it yet, right? That like your name doesn't matter, what you look like doesn't matter, right? You you build this online reputation that uh, speaks for itself, right? Like if I had acted in bad ways prior to Beanie doing that those trades, he would have never reached out to me, right? Like it's. I was consistent in my actions and, you know, he felt comfortable to, to ask me to escrow. And, you know, that's how, that's how it goes. And like, and I, I think that's like the brave new world we're going towards. Right. And I just, it, 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 to me, I find it fascinating. That's probably one of the most fascinating parts of, especially the NFT community that it's like, there is so much trust in, you know, we're creating so much trust with, by creating these trustless systems. Right. And it, to me, it's, it's amazing. I, I, it makes me bullish on humanity overall. It's the ultimate paradox, right? You just said it right there. We're creating trust through trustless activity. It's kind of interesting. But would any of you guys ever like want to retire your profile to do something different? Like, let's say you do this for five or 10 years and it's exciting. I mean, D's, Beanie, Andy, G Money, you all have, you know, enormous profiles around your avatars. And so like, would you ever be like, ah, the next stage, I would want to like do something different. And do you have, have you thought about that at all? Or I mean, we're all so young. It's probably not really what we're thinking about, but it's just kind of curious. Well, I'm, like, I'm not. Yeah, yeah go, go Beanie, go answer it. Well, I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not so young. I've been doing internet stuff for, you know, 25 years and I've all, you know, it hasn't been that fun, but this is actually like really fun. Um, you know, I, I've been doing crypto almost 10 years and it's not that fun. I mean, there's money in it, but this is actually like really entertaining. I mean, this is a the NFT thing is like, no, like nothing I've ever done. I don't, I can't see myself doing anything else after this. It would be, and, and you know, working in this, it's like, I, I feel like I'm retired kind of, I mean, it's not like, you know, I work hard, but I mean, it's fun. So uh, I, I agree with Beanie 100%. Um, I've been working for myself, trading, gambling, whatever, doing all that shit for about 10 years now. Um, and I haven't had as much fun as I've had in the last four or five months um, since I was in college playing basketball uh, 20 years ago. It's, it's, it's truly incredible. And even, even today, like I slept three, four hours last night. I was pumped to just hop on the spaces, get the thing posted to fractional.
everybody on this stage will go into into the the things that they maybe are are even like the sub niche is that people even find more interesting but like to me it's like that's just natural hu- human nature right like you're just going to find uh what you like and and the people that you know are interested in it too is it, you know it's everything evolves over time uh but like the beautiful part of it is like we're just here so early you know yeah i didn't mean to call anyone young although usually that's a compliment but i was just saying we're young in the space <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i for myself like i guess my i'm a little, or by a little, I mean significantly less synonymous than the other people who are talking about this. Uh, although almost, I think everyone in this call I have like spoken to and, and relatively met, but they at least, uh, you know, it, I, it'd be hard to find their last names, I should say. Mine is not hard to find. Um, so I'm a little bit different in that sense. Uh, but it was something I was thinking about during like, DeFi summer and everything that was going on there when I was like leaving my job at maker and trying to figure out what was next. And I was getting really into NFTs and I was yield farming and doing your own strategies. And, uh, I was, it was becoming very clear to me that there's like, even in my free time when I was not doing anything, this was still what I wanted to be doing. And so it'd be, it'd be really hard anytime soon to, uh, to leave doing this stuff, at least with, you know, right now, obviously, like any amount of time, I stare at my computer basically all day, every day. Um, but even even if I were to be retired and not be running fractional, I, I think I would still want to be trading NFTs and, and yield farming and all that kind of stuff. It's it's like, I don't know. It's just really, really fun. It's like playing a giant video game, but it expands throughout the whole crypto universe and it's just hard to imagine doing anything else when this world exists so and andy you know the great thing is andy came from you know the DeFi background he's able to you know bring DeFi to nft not many people are able to do this i mean um that that you know that's what what i was wondering though uh is uh i saw from like the av ave Ave platform uh they were saying that they're using uh they're starting to explore using uh, assets for uh, like NFT assets as collateral for, for lending. I don't know if Andy had any, any info. I forgot to ask about that. If you had any info on what they're doing there, uh, maybe if compound mentioned it, I remember Robert Leshner mentioned that, but like months ago, I don't know if there's been any progress or if you know anything about that. Yeah, I I can talk about this. And so it's actually something that, I mean, literally like when I joined maker back in the beginning of 2019, it was something we were talking about and, and thinking about at that time as well. Um, obviously, it hasn't come to fruition yet. It's a really, really challenging problem. Um, I can't speak to exactly what Ave is doing. So I was on a panel with um, one of the members of Ave in uh, in Paris at ETHCC. Well, it was a, a side event, but uh, put on by Bunchy Protocol, who you guys may or may not have seen before. They're they're a pretty cool project with doing uh, NFT lending, um, and so I can talk about them as well. But it seems like Ave has, they said they have a white paper coming out relatively soon. It seems like they've devised some type of, um, some type of system to liquidate NFTs. That's really where, so where the challenge comes, not surprisingly, is that it's very hard to uh, appropriately price these things. 
And so how do you know someone deposits an NFT? How do you know how much of a loan they can take out? And how do you know if they were, if they, you know, if they default on that loan, how do you know how much money you're going to get when you sell it? Whereas with the DeFi token, you, you know, a price and, and you know the markets and you just, you sell it into the market. Uh, and so it seems like Ave has been hinting that they've, have some new idea around this and what they plan to do, uh, what that is, they would not leak that alpha with us. Uh, and the interesting thing that Bunchy Protocol, which uh, is who I said hosted that event, kind of how they're combating this is they they work with assets that are listed on NFTX. And so kind of the way that they t- like get the price of whatever you deposit, say you deposit a CryptoPunk, then the valuation of your CryptoPunk would be whatever the current prices of one punk token on nftx uh so then you go about your you take out a loan you go about doing your business and then uh assuming you don't get liquidated you can withdraw your punk once you repay your loan and if you were to get liquidated then they take your punk and they deposit it into nftx and then they dump it into that pool which i think is a really interesting idea and basically a way to kind of have like a a trustless way to to value these assets but it only really works with floor stuff um the, where it gets significantly harder is when you're using not floor things. There was some conversation recently around um, basically like a an a niche um, coded up a proof of concept called like pawn NFT or pawn FT, where basically there's like an always happening auction for the NFT that acts as the um, like the valuation of the NFT. So say I deposit a uh, a CryptoPunk again, and maybe it's like an ape, and someone bids. 100 Ethereum, that means I could borrow up to 100 Ethereum on my ape. Uh, and if I were to ever then default on that loan, they would get the ape for 100 Ethereum, uh, which would obviously be really good for them and really bad for me. Uh, and it's kind of like a basically the amount that they would put in would be the, op- the opportunity cost of that money being somewhere else. Um, that's why they, they wouldn't pay the full price. Uh, but it's all really interesting. Um, it's really, really challenging. I'm, I'm curious to see kind of what ends up winning out, but I'm sorry, I rambled a bit there. No, but that model makes sense. I like that because, yeah, like you said about the opportunity cost, but that will that will drive liquidity into the market. That's a real reason for somebody to dump thousands of ETH lowball with like, you know, lowball bids and that provides the liquidity and, you know, they will get some defaults. So, I mean, that's, I, I can see that working. That's That's interesting. That's developed already. Uh, so the Bunchy protocol stuff, I think that that comes out um, pretty soon, actually. Like I th- the Bunchy, I think they're they're uh, I think they're auditing their code um, either this week or next week. It should be done relatively soon. I, you know, I was I was talking with them uh, last week, and to me personally, I I don't really like the idea of marking to market on NFTs, right? And like I, I was talking to them about that too. Is like. If I'm like trying to get, let's say, some capital efficiency out of my position, like I, I'm okay with not getting the most capital efficiency, but also not having to worry about uh, maybe some bad mark uh, causing me to lose my position, right? Because that could happen yeah. on Ave, like let's say the Oracle feed gets messed up, but you know, God forbid, you whatever, you lose the penalty fee, but you can get right back in the position. If I get some bad mark and get stopped out on a mark to market because NFTs are so liquid and I lose, let's say my ape, like, you know, I, I almost can't buy it back. Right. Like whoever buys, whoever gets it would be like, yeah, I'll sell it to you at like, you know, 20 X what I just bought it for. Right. 
And so to me, like that, that scares me, right? Because it's like, especially with these one of a kind assets, I don't want a mark to market. I want it to be more like a mortgage, right? Where it's like, as long as I keep making my payment, um, I still have my home, right? It's like, as soon as I stop making that payment, then, you know, you go into default. But like a mark to market to me just doesn't make sense in NFTs. Agreed. It's a really challenging design space. I think that we're still really, really early on in what's going to be best there. I do have to bounce for a little bit. I have some calls that I sadly cannot avoid. Um, so have fun in here. I'll be back. Cool. Thanks, Andy. I will keep the party going. Yeah, no worries. So this must be this must be your dream job, Deez. You're like Larry King of uh, <laughs> of crypto. Now you get to you, now now you get to now you get paid to to run spaces. Get paid awesome. to do what we like <laughs> to do. I mean, what what more can I ask for? It's great. I was laughing with uh, one of the one of the guys that rolls through the spaces, Andrew, the other day because he was like, "It sounds like seventy five percent of people in NFTs just need to get a job." And I was like, "Excuse me, this is my job now." <laughs> Larry King of Spaces is absolutely what D's is. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like trying to keep up with uh, the Discord right now, the Twitter DMs, the Twitter replies, the space. It's like uh, a lot of people. You know, we're learning what we can make uh, mainstreamed better, so that people can just click the site and buy what they want to buy without having to uh, make. Sure you have you have such a specific skill set, though. Like. You know, imagine trying to hire, imagine Andy trying to hire for this job outside of the NFT community, just like social media managers or whatever. I mean, it would be, it would be impossible, you know? Yeah. I feel like it's hard to have a good grip on the space if you're not oh, trained yeah. in it 24-7. Oh, yeah. And if you don't have the background that you have for like in DeFi and crypto in general, I mean, there's, there's just so much you need to know. So much because you have to know about Uniswap. You have to know about Sushi. You have to know about all the protocols, not just NFT stuff, right? Sounds like what you're trying to say is D's is not a, uh, a floor 3D hoodie pipe. <laughs> not a floor. <laughs> no, no. I just it's, – it's interesting. This is like an industry that's kind of came out of nowhere and it requires such a, you know, a specific skill set uh, that not many people have. Yeah, it's definitely one of those. Um, <laughs> I didn't, didn't plan to be here, you know. It just kind of happened, and that's why it's probably such a unique skill set. Just following your bliss in a way. It's kind of. It's kind of like if you know what you're good at and what you love, and then suddenly there's a market that pays you for it. Like I'm a bit like similar to D's, where I just love learning about people and chatting with them. And I made two podcasts, and then suddenly this format comes out, and I'm like, oh wait, there's a lot more better ways to monetize than before. Yeah, my podcast equipment's still in a box, honestly, that I, I bought like a couple months I've been ago. I've um, you about that since because, like day one. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think Spaces is where it's at, really. I mean, I don't You can set up um, your podcast. I guess podcasts are still big, I'm not saying. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I'm, I'm going to get to Podcasting it is cool, and it was like the thing, I think, earlier in the year or even last year. But yeah. every time that I'm observing a conversation happening i want some piece of interactivity 
Like, and I think that's why spaces really took over because anyone can just start interacting. You can DM and ask a question in real time. You can request the mic and ask a question or add to the conversation. enjoyable and for like and it go ahead i was gonna say it's like the great equalizer i mean i mean i i opened a twitter account in january and boom now i have like you know uh following and all that and anybody can do that now right and you can start joining the community start you know talking on discord joining spaces and you know you could grow follow D's come up on stage, start talking. I mean, we saw that. Uh, I saw that on spaces that I hosted uh, a few weeks ago. I remember, Yuppie, you were on. I used to listen to Joe Rogan podcast pretty frequently. And now that he's behind the, the Spotify paywall or whatever, even just on that platform alone and not on multiple platforms like the Apple podcast app and YouTube and all that stuff. Like I, I literally haven't listened to it in like the longest time. And some of the ones like with where he's talking to astronomers and, you know, these giga brains that are all about quantum you know computing and like all this weird stuff like we're really good and scientific but now that it's just behind a wall like i'm just not interested anymore and now that spaces it's here it's like people tell me to go listen to the kevin rose larva labs uh podcast interview and i'm like man i i should really do that but having a space is is just so much more engaging and there's always one going on it's like why would i spend my time Looking at, you know, the past like that, you know, it's, it's hard for me to go back and like just watch these these dialogues between just two people when we literally have over 300 people in this space right now. And people are DMing me like, hey, ask this or hey, yeah, I, I heard you in this space. Like, what do you think about that? Like, it, there's just so much more interactivity. It's so much more infinitely engaging and interesting in real time. It's really current, you know, and I'm obsessed with like anything that's cutting edge and like these formats that we're in right now are like the most cutting edge that you can possibly get. I'm always telling my friends, like if you want to know what's going on in crypto, if you want to know what's going on in the NFT space, you have to get into these Twitter spaces because like history is being written in real time every single time that one of these boots up. It's it is crazy what directions they can go in. Like it can be like an alpha leak where like somebody mentions somebody and then Beanie comes on stage and shares something or like go a different direction or it can just be like an insane story where like 
Kath comes on stage and talks about how she's about to completely like, you know, spend six months taking one photo that takes her like that long to get to. So it can just go in so many different directions you don't expect. It's like, it is pretty wonderful. And that when Dee's started that photography chat since then, I mean, the photography market's gotten like crazy, right? So it, it's, and it all started. I, I really believe that like a lot of like that started in that photography chat. But uh, Yuppie, are we long Twitter, short Spotify yes. now? Yeah, I don't think, you know, I've never really been a huge fan of Spotify either. Um, I mean, I download all my music, you know, whoops. But um, I think putting things behind a paywall and not having a super open protocol. Like, does anybody use the Spotify app, like the desktop app on their Mac or anything? Like, it runs so fucking hot. Like, I hate stuff like that. Like... And I think that content creators need to be available on multiple platforms as well. Like as consumers, we should decide how and where we want to consume something. Like when Joe Rogan was on the podcast app, okay, I could just do that super easy. When I was at home, I could just throw it on YouTube, on my TV and be in the kitchen. Like I can have all these multiple avenues of access. And I think that's where content creators need to go. Like upload it fucking everywhere. Like you get more exposure. You have an audience here, an audience there, right? A lot of recently it's been like Instagram versus Twitter. Like, oh, which one is better? Like who, you know, Instagram's dying and Twitter's taking over. It's like, well, you know, you just got to think about how you're going to present yourself on different platforms. And obviously your audience is going to be, you know, one place or the other. But I think, you know, in the future, it just makes sense to have all these multiple platforms and you get to decide. It's it's just like the multi-chain conspiracy, right? Like it's not going to be one chain to rule them all. I don't think we need one platform to rule them all either. I mean, I've I've been on OpenSea. I've been on Foundation. They're both great. Like they're awesome. You know, like you should decide like how you're going to present yourself, where you're going to present yourself and your, your following, your consumers should be able to decide how they're going to follow you, how they're going to consume your content. I think that's powerful. In the regards of long Twitter, you know, short Spotify, like I, I still don't think people have it in their heads that spaces is just one component to what they're building. Like this is going to be a different story in a few years from now. And you're going to be able to tune it. Like we're all on a phone right now, right? It, like the desktop thing's not even here yet, but it's going to come. The VR experience is on its way. The AR experience is on its way. And, you know, yeah, like you're going to be able to tune in in all these different ways, like however you want, like decide how you want to interact, decide how you want to enter into the space and, and chill out. You know, I think that's powerful is giving consumers the option, all these different options. So will, will Deez's contract be like the bigger than the Joe Rogan Spotify contract soon? I think eventually. I think I need to do stuff for like 10 plus years to, to warrant that type of uh, valuation. I think we're still. Yeah, really Joe crazy. Rogan was around for a very, very, very long time. And I mean, you know, one of the things I like about D's and don't like about Joe is the fucking ads, dude. There's like 15 minutes of ads. If you go back to the, the podcast on the Apple app, like it's cool that you can fast forward, but. Jesus Christ, dude, like 15 minutes of talking about shavers and like, I don't know, cough, like, I don't know, organic coffee stuff. And like, I'm like, oh, my God, there's I mean, no just ads to be clear. Somebody offers me a hundred million dollars. I might become a shill, too. 
<laughs> but like until we get there, like that's a long way out. Yeah. I, but I also think that podcasts are kind of cringe now because it's like edited content. All of this yes. is live, oh, yeah. right? We have no chance to edit it. This is a whole different ballgame. And I think it's generally just a lot more fun to listen to a space than it is to like listen to like a preset podcast. Because space you can bring up like different like people and have a completely different perspective like throughout the the time. Whereas a podcast is just Joe Rogan talking to some bow hunter about shooting an elk. Like it's just a different experience. I feel like since D started these spaces, though, I've been watching his followers count, and he's gaining. I mean, these, it might be close to a thousand at least a week. So when you consider how much smaller the overall market is compared to what the market was, even when Joe Rogan started, I mean, people were still listening to podcasts. Most people don't even know these spaces are here yet. In the last 28 days, I think I've gained uh, 7,000 followers. That's ridiculous. There you go. And so that's from like uh, 13,000 to 20,000, basically, in a month. That's what I've been. I got. Dude, I, I had one viral post when my first art started to like to hit off on Twitter, and I gained like seven thousand followers overnight. It just happens like that on Twitter. You just just shoot up. I love somebody sold a art block subscape for thirty three Ethereum, and the guy put kind of shocked. This is huge for me financially. I'm not sure if I fucked up though. Like <laughs> selling a subscape for 33 ETH, and you're like, "Oh man, was that was that a hundred Ethereum subscape?" It's so hard to know where things are gonna go. Like I bought this uh, construction grid like one or one or two weeks ago because I like think Jeff Davis is a great part of Artblocks. I didn't know any of it. It's like dub- more than doubled since, and I'm still like, would I be dumb to sell it at five ETH instead of two ETH I bought it for? It's like it's so funny. Can we talk about stoner cats? Oh, man. You want a stoner cat? No, I don't. Uh, but I, I think it's going to probably sell out um, which uh, because of the whole Vitalik, uh, which really disappointed me. The Vitalik is, you know, um, involved, uh, you know. Um, and Let's talk about the But so I'm kind of worried now. I think it will. I think it will. Uh, yeah, now they've updated the site. Now I'm looking at it right now. Thirteen thousand four hundred and twenty. So before it was ten thousand plus. They had this inflation scheme, but now it's all thirteen thousand four twenty at point three five. So it's like, like what's that? Like eleven and a half million dollars um, with uh, to fund. You know, it really bothers me this this one just because it's like these are like really rich people, uh, VCs. Uh, you know, who are you know asking for money to produce a show, which the people that they're selling this to who are funding this are not going to get any rev share, nothing well, from it. And now Vitalik's They're involved, not getting so rev share, but it's share. not that they're not getting anything. It, they just haven't disclosed what that anything beyond, well, uh, you know, being able to view the, the content is. Because like... Enter, uh, enter the spider verse like re- really strong talent artistically
And then you look at the creative strategy behind it, like the Big Head Club, Mac uh, Flavel, and like the Crypto Kitties team and all that. It, it, it leads. there's like an opportunity to to make money on it but She's Lisa been here. Know her shit, though. <laughs> yeah, she's like not one of the Rip. the ones I would flame on. She, she's been, been like, in I'm... longer than ninety percent of people like in this space. Probably more. Maybe I just have like I'm I'm still like newer to the space, so I'm I'm still learning. But I've just always associated her with like scandal. So like I was like first getting, in, I was like, oh, Paris Hilton's making NFTs. Like, I, well, I, I don't think associating her with scandal is inaccurate but like at least in the nft space like she's she's practically crypto native at this point she's the model celebrity for sure in nft like you know she should write the playbook and uh and she's been very engaging and stuff but these people in stoner cats have not been i mean Because they're like, you know, they work at Pixar and who sits around and reads the credits of a Pixar movie. But now in the NFT space, like you can see a rendering from one of these artists and you're like, holy shit, like one person like created this entire like beautiful landscape, like wherever it may be from nothing. And like, that's fucking awesome. And I think like. You know, artist jobs are getting the opportunity to like get into this world of art collection because the NFT space has completely cut out the middleman. I mean, we saw Felocious go to Christie's, which is really interesting. But like uh, my favorite part about the NFT space is that like we don't really need Christie's anymore. You can build your own website, write your own contract and like completely build your own curation of, of your art online in the metaverse. Like whereas before you would need like a gallery owner or someone to invest in you just to like be able to break through that ceiling. What time do these stoner cats drop? Two o'clock. So who's no. buying? Is any is anybody here no, buying? We can't, um, right? We have to boycott it. But yeah, well, let me ask you this question. I mean, but no. though 
you can you can buy if you think you're going to make money off it. I just I, don't know if the secondary no, market I agree. is. I don't see room. I, I disagree with that. I, I think if you if I thought I could make money off it, I'd buy. Well, it. I, you know, no shame at all. I don't. I think there is a. I think there's another perspective where people will genuinely buy it because they like the project or are wanting some level of access to these celebrities without the intention of making money. I'm sure that's true for some buyers, for sure. I, the thing that is interesting to me about Vitalik now being involved, because obviously, like, I, Beanie, I'm with you. When I first heard that, I was like, oh, that's a tough blow, like, to my heart. But now it's like, does he have some responsibility to the project and the collectors and the, I mean, the investors at that point to, like, make sure they don't get rugged? I mean, he certainly has enough well, to protect everyone. He rugged, you know. You know, the funny thing is he rugged all the the dog coins and stuff like yeah, that. Remember that uh, like a couple months ago. So this is like such an odd move. Yeah, I thought him. he hates I mean, NFTs. It, it makes- or like, I, thought, I feel like I've heard people say that. I don't know if it's true, though. What's he going to do? Does he have like a secret plan? Is he going to is, is he going to like implode this from the inside or something? Or is he going to take care it, of it? Well, I mean, yeah, he's the Trojan horse. The funny horse. thing is like he's by far the most like uh, when you you just look at his uh, asset value, like he's by far the, the wealthiest person involved with this project. He, I think he's kind of gotten to the point where like he can just do whatever the fuck he wants. And like if he wants to go and be a voice actor on a cartoon, like <laughs> that's what he's going to do. Why does he want this with these people? Exactly. That's what I'm something saying. Resolved. If Vitalik gets into NFTs, it should be CryptoPunks or something like, you know, that's this is unfunnable. This is like peak FUD, what he's getting involved in. If you see the responses to this, I mean, some big, big, big Ethereum people, like all the real OGs are bashing him for this. I, I mean, I don't understand what he's after here. I mean, it's just an easy way for him to buy himself into Hollywood, right? Or just maybe he was, Man. you know... A- he could buy himself in with his ETH if he really wanted to. He doesn't. He doesn't. He could. He could definitely buy his way in. Literally, not to sit at a table with all those people. I don't think Vitalik really needs to work hard to get access to many people. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I mean, these aren't really big celebrities anymore. I mean, yeah. I mean you they're know. still pretty. Jane Fonda, no, but like you look at uh, maybe he's just a <laughs> Chris big Rock fan of that was big. Chris show. Rock was big twenty maybe years he's ago. He's just a I big mean. that '70s show fan. You never know. <sighs> Hey man, if Mila Kunis asked me to buy something, I definitely would. <laughs> are you buying G Money? Are you buying? Uh, are you minting Stoner? Uh, if I'm in front of my computer, I'll probably what is it? The max of twenty? I'll probably just do it, maybe for a trade. Um, more interesting to me is I just swept the floor on CryptoPunks about twenty minutes ago while we were on this space. And- I was watching that. I didn't say anything. <laughs> They've, it does. It definitely feels like CryptoPunks are way undervalued right now versus the other stuff. Yeah, like you, the way you see everything else is flying right now, and punks are still. You know, I, I just. I mean, I think the NFT market in general has held up really strong, and I think you're just going to start seeing a lot of flows into punks. Uh, again, like that was like my thesis when I first bought them. Right, is like it's a high. It's a triple A asset that, as you know, if if you think that that was the bottom in ETH and Bitcoin and you know, we just went gig along, right? Like, and you were going, going to go back towards all-time highs or, or higher. Like, you want to own, you want to own NFTs. Like, you want to own high-value NFTs. And I can't think of a better project to own than CryptoPunks. That's another nice. amazing thing about these spaces is people do work and interesting shit while they're on stage and then share about it. For real. <laughs> and Jimmy, I, I hardcore agree with you because like if you look at NFTs as a higher beta version of Ethereum and then you look at 
CryptoPunks as the top of that pile. Uh, it's it's fascinating to to watch. I, I'm priced out. I can't play that game, but at the same time, I love being able to follow it. Well, lucky for you, there's a fractionalized version of Punks on Fractional. I happen to be involved in that one, so I can't say I have a, a little stake in Punks comic. If I just put up like a single like nice punk, not like a uh, hoodie 3D pipe or anything, but like, would you think anyone would go into that on Fractional right now? There's no punk that has liquidity. I'm kind of tempted just to market buy one and throw it up. So you would take what the buyout price is? Is that how you you make it attractive to people? Yeah, well, there's one I want an excuse to buy, and the person's listening right now, and he just told me to concentrate on my job, so I want to tell him this is my job. But um, <laughs> I, I buy. wanted to offer it up. This is this is peak it. this buy. is peak fractional art experiment. Live buying that CryptoPunk, live publishing it on fractional art, and seeing how many people in this space would buy fractions of it. Also, Beanie, I, I agree that the that the first one that is been already triggered is going to be valuable at some point in the future. I, I think that's a great piece. I, I can't let it go for point one. So the idea- it, it's already up to point one. It was point zero. Oh, I thought you. Were, I, I just saw it went up to point one right oh, after I, you. I, uh, going, I heard you yeah. say that you were going to throw in a bid okay, for point I'm one. I thought maybe it. it was you. Actually, I didn't look at who the actual bid is. Was. Maybe visor. Maybe visor is code word for something bigger. <laughs> we nobody knows what it is. What are you talking about? The visor on the homepage of Fraction. Oh, gotcha. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is triggered already for the buyout, and it's at point zero two. But nobody knows what it is. Everyone frantically Google searching what this thing is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Google pretty much everything you guys are saying so just I'm so out of like my league I'm just an artist so that that I, I would argue that that is ex- that you're exactly where you should be Joe. thank you sir I gotta run guys I, I got a meeting that I gotta take in four minutes but uh, it was it was great chatting on here Dees thanks for hosting this this was uh this was awesome. Love hanging out with you guys and, and shooting the shit on, on NFTs. It's always a good time. You're the man, G-Money. Hey, man. You're always welcome on stage. Thank you for stopping by. Peace, G-Money. Man, I just... Always interesting to pick his brain, man. Beanie, G-Money... We There's had anonymous on here, Andy. It's like everyone's IQ is 10x mine, and then I'm just sitting here like, yeah, that's, I like the pixels. That's yeah, what I like I art, you guys. I take pictures for a living. Like I, I fucking press a button, and then I like come up here and I talk to you guys, and you're talking about like all these investment techniques and everything, and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm gonna take a picture of uh, someone, you know, like at a table in the ocean or something like that. I'm like, my mind is somewhere else, but I'm learning so much just from like hearing you guys talk and like it's just very insightful well but that's the beauty of this right is like there's there's room at the table for everybody it's like you got the the defies the the artists the speculative degens the uh the people just getting into the space because they like the art you know the collector base like it's 
it's such an interesting cross section of people coming into this space. And like, I think the, the data just came out the other day that there's like, was it Richard that posted? There's only like 800,000 uh, unique NFT uh, wallets with ERC 721s in them, like less than a million wallets. And there's probably many of those that are like secondary and tertiary wallets. And so you're maybe talking 100,000, 300, 400,000 people. Yeah. And it's like, it's humbling. Like it's humbling as an artist to like be part of this, you know, because like coming from someone who was like very much on the, like getting in the gallery circuit grind and like struggling to like pay my rent with art and then being able to like come into this space and have people like invest in me. And I'm like, now I have this cryptocurrency. Not only are like the collectors invest me, but they're like, okay, now keep this ETH or like sell now or like invest in this or, you know, like helping me get into collecting myself. I've like quickly gotten addicted to like investing collectibles and like getting a return on that and, and like seeing what I can do in the space. And it all started for me just taking pictures and like, like these followed me one day. And now I like am learning all this new crazy shit and meeting insane people i mean like jake just being up here with jake is an honor like he's an incredible artist like but like it's just it's awesome to like learn from you guys and it's so humbling you know because like you as an artist like you are so it's such an isolating experience making art um it's like you're, you're doing it on your own and then you're, you're releasing on social media and there's a community there but you're still like doing everything on your own like in the nft community like people are very involved with your artwork they want to see what you come out with next there's this excitement and there's this new like drive to make art for like people that were never necessarily looking at your art before because we had been disregarded as social media artists or um you know like not taken seriously because we weren't we didn't you know have the money to go all the way through art school um it it's just like a space for like people and it's crazy that you said everyone gets to see the table because when i made my first a couple NFT sales. Um, I was one of the early photographers, uh, and the DePaulia, a newspaper in Chicago, wrote an article about me called Everyone Gets a Seat at the Table because it's literally what I said about the NFT space. I was like, finally, every artist gets a seat at the table. Like, finally, we can, like, all, like, actually participate in this together. And it's, like, fucking awesome. Like, hearing you guys talk about Kath. Like, I talked to Kath, like, uh, actually... Dave who's in the audience had me on a clubhouse um and really helped jump start my career but um I met Kath and like she talked about her art and I was like and I like looked at it and it looks like a normal landscape and then you look at it and you're like holy shit this is like 20 photos like as a photographer artwork as well as the piece of artwork because like a lot of us do spend days or weeks or like that sort of stuff like developing our art and like making something special just for someone to scroll past it really quickly um on the timeline and not really get the, the essence of what of all the work that goes into it Kath, so Kath like, made me want to work harder honestly like hearing about her work and what she was offering i was like i need to work harder so i can afford this shit <laughs> yeah Kath is so inspiring and like you look around you can throw a stone and a hidden artist that inspiring in the nft space it, it, everyone has this unique story like everyone has like even like as soon as you like make your first sale like the first thing that came to my mind was like all right shit i'm gonna start collecting like i have friends that, like i know like i've wanted their pieces of artwork for so long like 
time to like start buying or like, you know, like today I spent like the whole first half of the day, just like trying to help as many photographers get into the space as possible. So I was just like minting, like, like I was really just like, I transferred over one ETH uh, to my MetaMask and I was just like paying people's minting fees all morning this morning. And I was just like, fuck it, get as many photographers as near as we can. Because like, this is such an opportunity for like these like starving artists to like, get some money in their pocket and start to work on projects that they weren't able to work on before and start to really develop their art and not just be sitting around taking somebody's senior portraits and like wasting their time, you know? Now we have the, uh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy to see how you can just directly interface with your audience and not have to go through all the old channels and do things the way things used to be. But I think that's one of the things too, that excites me so much about fractional is like being able to offer good nfts for like literally any price range outside of a gas fee um that was one of the things that like got me into the project where it's like you know not everyone can just hop in and buy a punk or a nice set of punks but now you can actually get some tokenized uh ownership basically of a set of punks without having to fucking drop 20 plus ethereum is anybody here running an axie farm oh i just started chris (laughs) <laughs> so just curious last, yeah, Beanie, last week i went down a rabbit hole i think on like monday or tuesday of last week um by now i have four teams and two and a half breeding farms and ideally you get the five teams and three breeding farms and they kind of um self-sustain themselves um the day that i go into it Beanie, i think access was at 14 or no 24 dollars Within 24 hours after it, it's up to 40 bucks. It's um that, and then I think yesterday I, you know, I looked and I saw that for the first time that they had overtaken Top Shot for the most sales in NFTs. Total volume. Interesting. Yeah. I was just wondering. I mean, when you when you look at Crypto Slam every day and you look at the volume. And you're looking at Axie and it's like 20 plus million. And then the other shit is like less than 2 million. You're just like, wow, what is going on? So Beanie, what I had to do is I went down this rabbit hole and quickly realized that there is no way that I could manage this situation and or understand how to play the game in an educated fashion. Just I wouldn't have enough time and be able to do anything else, basically. Um, So... You know, there are people out there that run scholar academies, right? Which is basically a scholar is they're usually a Filipinian or um, I can't remember what other countries they told me they were from. But you're basically hiring them to run a team of axes. So to basically play the game with your axes. Um, and then you're hiring the academy to basically police the scholars and then the academy will also do the breeding for you and so you're sp- you're paying the scholars um and then you're paying a fee to the um academy and basically you're putting the ethan right does this sound sustainable yeah because I, I mean the reason i think it's sustainable because of the scholars that are being employed at some point in time these scholars their goal is to eventually have their home te- their own team, right? So they're working for you for as long as they can until they can actually buy their own 
Axie team and then put it to use for themselves. But they probably wouldn't stop being your scholar. They would just basically hand that team over to somebody else. So I think the growth potential is enormous once that group of individuals can start buying their own I, team. I also just like aped and, and I bought a bunch of axes. And I think it's almost like a like multi-level marketing thing with once it gets to that stage, but it creates this virtuous cycle. And I think that axes has become like almost blue chip status in regard to their really, they've crossed this chasm of like being an NFT, being a game and like, and also being like DeFi in a way and like yielding, like active yielding. Um, and, and I think like when a lot of people early on, like they get into these projects and they get like these outsized like returns where it gets like, where, where like if you were in Bitcoin like eight, 10 years ago, you have this emotional connection to it where you're just not, not going to ever leave this game. Um, and I think like there are those people for axes as well. I also think that like with axes, we haven't seen like what's to come in regard to like land ownership as well as like that game, the game's going to be open sourced. Uh, so like other builders can build on top of it. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm very bullish on it. I, well, and this is, Genius. sorry, Chris, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to leave it at this, uh, or not leave it at this, but, you know, I've, I've been into Zed almost from the beginning, and I'm more bullish on Axies after this last week than I am with Zed. And I have, I think, by the end of next week, I'll have 50 horses in Zed. So this is one part of Axie that I think is, even with how much excitement and traction it's got, this is like one facet that has been largely overlooked, is Axie just hit like 350,000 daily active users, like at its peak, 350,000 Fortnite or, you know, games like, you know, the call of duty, these, these sort of games have upwards of 20, 25 million. So like, you're talking about like billions of dollars of transaction volume on Axie infinity and like literally a, a, a microscopic percentage of the user base. So when you, I think it's just a great base uh, showing that like this model of play to play to earn uh, is has got some real legs. Well, it's because money. I mean, people love money. Um, but I mean, it's not an it's not an exciting game. I mean, Fortnite's an exciting game. Axie's a game just to grind out money, right? Uh, that's why I'm wondering how sustainable it is. I mean. Uh, you know, imagine Fortnite though, where there was money involved, and it's also oh, yeah. not just it's, it's not just uh, the the sustainability of it economically, but also like when you start talking about having people and farms doing something, you start to raise some other flags on like, is this how I would like to spend money and earn money? And you don't you know if you can learn more, but it just it just makes me also think about the ethical and sort of that side of it as well. Although I'm also pretty interested in it on the same time. I mean, some of the people that are playing it are, like, able to feed their, like, families and, and like, communities through this game. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, there's, like, I, I understand that in regard to, like, how people are getting paid. But, like, it this is, like, I don't know. It, it's pretty revolutionary in the way, like, we yeah. get paid and, and what we do and how we value. It's not really – Ponzi schemes aren't revolutionary. I mean – Eventually, they all collapse. Calling Axie a Ponzi scheme is very... (laughs) Well, how is it... Tell me how it's sustainable. 
without you know rising prices and a bunch of new users in the long term. I mean, it, it does require long that's term. For, it does that's long for term. anything, though. You could yeah. you could like bring that out to like even punks. I mean, punks have gained provenance, but like, well, you can't for Fortnite. We're talking about games. I mean, Fortnite will survive without the skins ecosystem. No, it wouldn't. That's right? how they and make their money. Does a game survive if they don't make money? That's the same argument you're Well, they make money selling and selling the well, game. Well, they don't charge the, for the game. Selling the game, the game, for the game. and selling updates game. and the gameplay needs to be like, would it be as big without the skins? No, but I mean Axis just exists to make people money. I think there's a, and eventually the music will I think stop there needs on to be it, like it does on play quality, right? Like we need to have something that's good enough to play that people will keep playing it, like Fortnite or like I mean there's you know, there's other games like Clash of Clans, for example, that's like more stylistically like um, Axie in terms of how you play it, but it's everyone still loves it, and so the gameplay just has to be good enough, or else it won't last. I agree. Yeah, it, it, foundationally, a game should be fun, uh, and then from there, if you monetize fun, that's great. Uh, but yeah, Beanie, uh, to your point, I agree that like, do you find Axie fun? I, I don't. I, I think don't there's strategically like, there's strategically like you have to have some understanding. I mean, like I don't know if it'll be fun. Like I've I've only really gotten into it the past couple of weeks, but like in terms of strategy, in terms of like breeding, in terms of like what to value, I think it's really interesting in regard to traits, in regard to like how things are bred. It's not just like, oh, like I got these three axes, I'm going to just attack every time and like hope I win or whatever. It, there, There is like an element of skill. It's not, I don't know, it, on the surface, yeah, like it could just look like a card game. But like even, even Gods Unchained, while I think there's like way too many Gods cards like there is a level of skill where where people get into that and like i i I, our society is going to be so addicted to games just in general so i mean this this has provenance of like really being the first like what did like not i don't know how many people could could have envisioned like a game being like a top 50 token or 20 whatever it got to recently I don't, I don't know. I, I agree with Beanie here. I think that it fundamentally has to be a very good video game before it's anything else. Like, it has to, like, function and, like, have have a community behind it. Like, I think it's just, like, I don't know a lot about the project, but it if it's not, like, a, a game that someone would, like, normally play, I can't see people playing it for, like, a long time, even if, it, if there's money involved. I, but here's my point, is I agree with that. And that, like, foundationally, the game should be fun if you're going to play it and sustain it in the long term. My point is that Axie Infinity has just scratched the surface of what they're building. And, like, that they have a lot of runway to be able to to build off of, to, to incorporate def- different levels of gamification. So, while I 100% agree, like, foundationally, if you start with a fun game and then you monetize it, that would be the best way to go. But... I am still extremely bullish on Axie Infinity because they have so much runway to play with. It's also like a simple enough game where like it's very the, the barrier to entry of like understanding how to play the game is really low. So like that will get a lot of people in. Now whether they'll be sticky um, is another question, but like uh, yeah, I believe that like we've yet to see iterations. And I and the backers behind it like Delphi I think is like an incredible team to, to have behind it like they they're very uh i i respect them in the way that they design tokens and those ec- and and how they look at those economics 
but does the gameplay have to be absolutely, you know, optimal if you're still making money at the same time? I mean, isn't there a comfortable medium there where I'm willing to put, you know, five, six hours into this game today, even though I don't like it as much as playing Fortnite, because during those five, six hours, I'm going to make a hundred bucks. But doesn't that kind of negate the purpose of a game, though? Like, isn't a game supposed to be, like, fun? You're just kind of, like, going to work then. Like, to me, I'm, like, not, I'm not saying that the game isn't fun. I'm just saying that there might be other games that are more fun, yet I can make money playing this game. All right, I see what you're saying. I think there's yeah. room for both. And how, many, and how, much, how much time game, have we, like, spent playing games and not making money? Like, like, the, like if, if we can make money and play games and have fun, like, that's, I don't know, that's the point of, of doing it, in a way. It's Ponzi gaming. It's a whole new uh, <laughs> sector of, of Dude, games, that, and I'm sure we'll see a lot that, of them. That's I've posted about this before, but like in my opinion, it's so true. What I said, like the the reason why the outsourcing is well, one of the reasons. Is why it's so popular is because the game is so boring, and to Beanie's point, like. It it needs to. I don't. Maybe maybe I'm missing it, but I just don't have fun playing it. And if I don't have fun playing it, and I'm a gamer, I'm assuming a lot of others don't. And to me, that's going to affect the long term vi- viability of the project. Well, are you? Are you? But if you were making fifteen hundred, because like I, like play to earn gaming is only going to pick up steam from here. My, my point being like, yes, if you start with the foundational game of it being somewhat fun and then monetize that, that's, that's the gonna best be way to go killer. about it. Yes, <laughs> that's going to make it in like I think Axie is uh, benefiting from, you know, being first mover for sure in that regard. But once, you know, what's going to happen when an actual fun game comes along and has play to earn? I think it's going to start to crush. Well, and I, I think that's largely on the Axie team to to iterate from here and make it a fun game. But like it, it, looking at the volume that they have and, you know, on the game that it is uh, and, you know, just off of the, the daily uh, active users, it, it still has a lot of runway. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's also just like opening doors for like the the future projects that will come from this. Like game devs are going to look at this and be like, "Oh shit, we could do something here." Well, I mean, like even five a- six years ago, no one thought played uh, free to play would work. You know, like no one thought the the Fortnite model of like letting everyone play the game for free and you can monetize on you know microtransactions. No one thought that was going to work, or very few people. And uh, now it's a model that you know just about every other game that's released uh, is modeled after. There are also a time when games were um, trying to have a third uh, value add beyond fun or money, which is like um, Fold It. I don't know if you guys remember Fold It, but it was a game to try and find proteins that scientists hadn't discovered before to help cure disease. And so there's like a lot of interesting dynamics that can help the space, but I don't know if Axie has access to all of them and maybe it can build some of them and maybe it can't. But the space is exciting, I agree. People are gonna mint these Vogo things later. That's the thing that's happening today that I'm that I think is pretty sweet. Stoner cats and Vogos. Yeah, I think the Vogos are the ones though. 
I think they both sell out. Everything sells out. It's just, what <laughs> happens, it's just what happens after that. Um, I think I think there's going to be probably some decent secondary sales on the Vitalik cat. That's my guess, and then like the rest of it just kind of cools off. Yeah, I think if if this was Vitalik's first NFT, you know, I mean, that would be huge. But apparently he had a a different Genesis NFT back in 2020. Does anyone own one of those? I wish. But this, I think this is different because it's like, it's his character, right? And I I think that adds uh, a lot of desirability to it. Hold on. So did Vitalik have... uh like an NFT minted from his wallet. When I asked on the uh, punks discord, uh, someone had said that he was involved in a project. I don't think it technically came from his wallet. I think that would be a big differentiator too. Like that it's yes, it's his involvement in a project. And I think that does command a premium or that his character will be, you know, looked at uh, favorably, but, I would be curious if, you know, if there were an NFT that actually came from him. Yeah, fair point. I just, uh, I just had, I finally got my new uh, medical marijuana card. I'm, I'm, I live in New York. Um, so even though it's legal, uh, we, we don't have like actual dispensaries yet, but, but our, our medical situation is pretty decent, but I, I had put in the wrong mailing address for my new card and it's crazy how long it took me to get them to like, it's, I mean, not that I don't need my medical, you know, it's all legit, but, but, but certainly it's a good thing. I didn't really need it. Cause I, it took me like three weeks to get it. And I was just thinking to myself, man, like I wish this shit were all like, I wish my, I wish my medical card were an NFT instead of like a piece of paper and it were all just like, I, and I wouldn't have to go through all this, you know? Yeah. I, I did the same thing when, when it was legalized in Minnesota and it took like a month end to end and it was expensive too. I, I have a PTSD and I didn't even try in Chicago. <laughs> it's just, the process is so long. It's just ridiculous. I'd rather just buy weed from my neighbor. <laughs> well, for most of the, intensity and cost I'm, of the process i'm just a struggling artist here man i can't afford <laughs> it's a, it's yeah it's cool. expensive here <laughs> yeah the taxes are crazy but it, it is a cool way for the like city to bring in uh revenue like i live in chicago and it's just um like we're so so much in debt i'm like everything's falling apart so any, any way that we can bring in some money and not give to the police department would be great What's crazy now in New York City, though, is that all the bodegas are starting to sell it, too, because now that it's, like, recreationally legal, but there's no actual infrastructure for that yet, there's, like, now it's, like, that's changing the landscape here in New York a lot. Like, every every bodega I go into late night is, like, pushing, pushing flour on me now. Bro, can you imagine, like, when, like, all of us are, like, old enough to have kids or already have kids or, like, our, when our kids are adults and they'll just be like, oh, I just went to 7-Eleven and picked up some... It's going to be dank, too. It's going to be fucking fire, you know? It's going to be, like, the best weed we've ever smoked. Dude, my bodega bodega was selling Connected, 
like real connected. It was crazy. I like, I've only seen that in LA. It was, I, I, it's like, where'd you get this? Like, this is good. Yeah. It, we, we, a lot of people in Chicago smoke this stuff called Delta eight. It's like between CBD and, uh, weed. I smoke that a lot. <laughs> I love these. I knew it. I knew we were friends. You love the D eight too. I knew it, dude. I'm, I've been smoking D eight this whole time. But I was messaging these yesterday, and like I was walking to lunch with my girlfriend, and uh, I walked past this bodega, and in the the shop was a gas mask with a bong attached to the end of it, and like immediately, because Hunter always makes fun of me for making stupid fucking purchases after my art sells, so I'm like messaging Dee's and Hunter and Lee, and I'm like, should I buy this? Should I buy this? And then like next thing you know, my girlfriend is taking pictures of me to send to all my crypto friends. Of me hitting a fucking gas mask bong. It was only thirty dollars though. So it was like point zero. That's the Larry Tunsil special. <laughs> it's been a great experience. It's immersive. Yeah, dude. There was a Larry Tunsil, the uh, left tackle, um, the night of his draft, and I think he's like a top three or five pick. A picture pops out of him in that Met gas. Oh shit! That's right. Like oh. Five seven years ago. I, uh, Larry Tunsil special. If I didn't rely on my uh, Twitter following to pay my bills, I would tweet the picture of me, uh, in, like engulfed in smoke inside the gas mask. But I, I don't know how my following would react to that. I would love it. I would, I would follow you harder. <laughs> uh, thank you. That, that's good to know. I tweeted, I tweeted a uh, a video like two. I only had ten thousand followers at the time. I was, I was on spring break and I shotgun two four locos and I tweeted out the video of it and I was like working hard and people were pissed. I don't know why. Like people were like, this is so unprofessional. This is before I was in the NFT space at all. That's just how the photography community is. It was just like, it was so stupid. I, I almost got canceled for it, but that's just how fucking, I don't know. You just can't say anything. I fucking today I tweeted out that I'm hearing Jerry Seinfeld in my head and like it was clearly a joke and people like are giving me medical advice on the replies. Beanie had to leave the chat because we were just talking about weed. So you got to be really careful about your brand. It is true. I'm I don't have a brand yet, so I can. These I hope I'm I hope I'm I hope I'm good over here talking about this shit. Basically. What, what what do you think my brand is? I'm just making sure that you know this isn't uh, contrary <laughs> to the overall message. Your Maybe. brand in what way? I mean. Dude, yeah, pure vibe, bro. Your brand is fucking pure vibe. My my brand is a, a lot of Delta Eight sauce. Like if you were to look at the concentration of my brand, there would be a lot of sauce. Jeez, um, I cannot believe you smoke D Eight too. I literally will like wake up just the sauce. Like I mean, that's the best. They call it sauce. I mean, it's a dab, but yeah, it's, it's so good. I will wake up in the middle of the night and I would like yell to my girlfriend. I'd be like, "Where's the D Eight? No, I'm not like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those people who has it down to like I don't smoke in the mornings. Normally, I wouldn't smoke until like the Lindy Walk in the afternoon, maybe with a second cup of coffee. Um, if I smoke I all day, I just have I don't get enough done. It it's for me. It's helpful for like this is gonna sound weird, but it's it's helpful for my sobriety. Um, because like weed, like THC and CBD are like proven to help opium addicts like continue to stay clean. So, like, I kind of, like, microdose it throughout the day. So, like, I'm, I'll never, like, truly, like, right now I'm, like, a little bit high, but I'm, like, still able to have, like, a conversation and, like, and function. But it's just, like, really just to help ease the 
um, kind of process of like getting my life back on track. I pretty much exclusively smoke spliffs, so I'm always like half tobacco, half weed. So I I I feel like that keeps me in, in a state of mind where I can continue to do all my shit. But yeah, you know, I mean it it is it's amazing the medicinal properties of marijuana. People people fought people have been fun weed for for way too long. Well, and that's the best part of when it becomes recreational is you can literally go to a store and specifically find something that suits you and you know. The ingredients and the effects that it have are specific to what you need, right? It, yeah, I it is like a dispenser. It is like, uh, I mean, it, it is though. I, I mean, I I agree with that. Like, if in comparison to like, mo- I, I I'm sober as well, and 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 I like used to smoke a bunch of weed. I don't smoke weed anymore, but in comparison to other drugs, it's like it's it's less harmful. But like like anything else, it can be just as addictive. Um, and like, it can be, it can be triggering to some people, but like at the same time, like the, it's, it's just like everything else. Like you, you can get, uh, you can get addicted to like, like flipping NFTs or or just buying NFTs and, and just like compulsive to it. And it's just, and it's, yeah, it's, it's just something you should check yourself with and, and, and be wary of. Um, but like, I, I, I agree that like society has had just this bad rap against it for so long. And like, finally it's, it's getting, it's like, it's, it's, it's still like what, like a schedule one drug or whatever. It's like, there's some ridiculous shit with it still. Well, I mean, that's what, um, you know, my met or not my mentor, my, uh, sponsor told me when I got clean off heroin, I was like, you know, like, uh, I, I stopped smoking weed for the probably first two months of getting sober and um he's very like pro like marijuana like it helped him get sober off like dope as well so um he was like you can start using it but he's like just remember like he like showed me a clip on his phone of this woman who's addicted to eating drywall he's like if she can get addicted to eating drywall you can get addicted to smoking weed and i was like oh that's a very good fucking point if you think about it good joey on some real shit i did just want to say bro i'm i'm proud of you man I wish I could accept that, but I unfortunately relapsed the other night. Um, I'm getting back on it. Uh, looking at now that I luckily because the NFT space has been so gracious to me, maybe um, being able to take a few months off and go to a rehab center. Uh, I'm kind of in the process of it right now, but uh, the biggest thing for me is like the like I I'm just so passionate about photography and like. Like, I have to shoot photos, and I would really look for a rehab center that would be, like, open to allowing me to continue to make photographs, even if it's just on the property. Because um, it's, it's, it's such a part of my life that, like, that's what's kept me from going, um, you know, I've, I've, throughout the years, I've gone inpatient for my mental illness and for addiction uh, many times. I've been dealing with addiction and... Uh, mental illness i've been in treatment for 11 years and uh been addicted to dope since i was uh 19 so i'm 23 now um and uh i got basically i was telling the story to these uh when i first got invited up to the space but um basically i i made all these nft sales and i had all these people believe in me and i 
I had this like beautiful girlfriend who's like means the world to me. And I was, I was lying to her about using, and I, I'd driven everyone away with my drug use. And, um, you know, most of all, I had treated the people in my life badly, uh, because I cared too much about drugs. And I, I, I saw like, you know, thousands of dollars just pour into my wallet. And I thought to myself, like, I'm like, all right, so either two things are going to happen here. Either I'm going to like cut this shit and like get clean and like make a living with my art like build a family with my girlfriend and like you know like really try to make a life for myself or two like i'm gonna end up blowing all this money on drugs and be dead in a month um so i pretty much promised myself uh about a week after my genesis sold that i was gonna go to na um and i went to an inpatient treatment facility because i was dealing with suicidal ideation um you know a lot of people think that just having artistic success or having followers fixes your mental problems it doesn't, you know, a lot of us artists make art because we are, you know, broken people and we have things that we need to fix. But I, that's, that's what I was doing. So I, I needed to go inpatient. I was a danger to myself. So I checked myself in um, and I was sitting there writing because you have a lot of time um, in, in mental institutions. And I've been in some really bad ones. I've been in some really good ones. And this one was actually a really good one. And it gave us a lot of space to write. And um, I've been really good friends with Felocious for a while. And I'd seen everything that he was doing with NFTs. And I was like, okay, if Fiwo can get out of his like abusive situation, like I can like rebuild my life. Like I was abused as a child and then I got addicted to drugs. It was a shitty, uh, you know, deal of cards on my part, but I have a great family and I have a passion for photography. And like, I think like, you know, like as much as I fucked up, I relapsed in the other day, like, the fact that I owned up to it right away and like, I was like, all right, I fucking, I did this shit, but it's time to like reset myself, you know? And, uh, you know, it was, it sucks taking, you know, I have my, uh, tokens hung up on the wall for how many months I was clean. Sucks taking those down, but you know, uh, it's, it's humbling restarting. Um, and I just like, whenever I like am faced with these challenges, like I, I just like, I'm like, okay, how can I make this into art? How can I, how can I express this in a way that isn't going to be damaging to me? Um, cause I was always a bad kid. I was always kind of like that p- parents never wanted their, I, I would always gravitate to the worst group of people in a room when I would go into a room. So I was always the bad kid at school. I was always told by guidance counselors, you know, maybe college isn't for you. And like, you know, art's not a real living. And, um, I, you know, like had gotten busted for drugs a few times and I ended up getting kicked out of school. And I really felt like, I had nothing left. So I just started traveling and taking pictures. Um, and I just like, I just like, I, I had lost this spark for painting, which I had been known for when I was younger. And I just like felt this like grasp to like hold a camera and create images like through this medium that is so new. And so like, I, I really just like poured myself into it. And like six and a, seven years later, here I am like, making a full living doing it and like getting my life on track and me and my girlfriend are moving in together. And I know like, you know, like having a relapse, it sounds like a bad deal, but for someone who like spent, you know, the better part of five years doing heroin every day, like uh, one relapse in, you know, 140 days is pretty damn good. If you ask me and I'm as much as I fucked up, I'm proud of myself. And like, I just like appreciate, you know, like, I'm making D as a piece because he has given me the like space to come up here and talk. And like hope what I'm hoping for is that like by being so open about my journey with sobriety and all that stuff through my art is that like 
all have the ability to like normalize these things that happen to people. Like people who have borderline personality disorder, like I do, are 75, 75% of us get addicted to drugs at one point in our life. Like that is a predisposition to something that's going to happen to you. It comes from, uh, they believe it's the least understood mental disorder is there's no treatment for it. There's no, there's not a pill you can take to fix borderline personality disorder. It's, it's un treatable basically there's no fda approved the only thing we know is that some therapies are proven to be effective sometimes so basically i'm in pain a lot of the time and my doctors can basically treat that pain um like situationally so they have me on like xanax for like uh the anxiety and like lexapro and antipsychotics and that sort of thing um to like ease the pain but really that's that's what it's about like with this illness is like managing the pain but you see, like, I see, like, I was an angry kid because I was in so much pain. You know, someone had abused me. Someone had taken my childhood away from me. And I was resentful of everyone else around me for, like, still having their youth. And, you know, Lee calls me an old soul. Well, I've, I've kind of always had to be an old soul because, like, when I was abused as a child, I, I grew up right there. Like, that was me growing up. I had to become a man right there. So, like, I had I got to watch my friends, like, have birthday parties and stuff. But, like, I would have a birthday party and I'd be like, why, why the fuck am I still here? You know, and like I always had this thing in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to kill myself one day. I just have to get through high school. And like and then art just gave me a reason to keep going. I mean, I would tell myself, OK, at 10,000 followers, I'll just fucking end it. I'll just fucking I'll take my own life. And I get 10,000 followers and I'm getting messages every day from kids where like you talking about your mental illness and you're talking about your addiction is helping me. And I'm like, fuck, I can't quit now. OK, 20K followers, I'll fucking blow my brains out. I swear to God. And then I like get to 20K and I'm like holy shit, I'm getting messages again every day from like people that are saying that I'm helping. So like, I've just decided that like, if I can make it through, like if I can fucking beat this shit, if I like heroin addiction sucks dick. Like if you want to know what, like if like all the gears in your gr- body stop fucking grinding it, that's what heroin like feels like when you're not on heroin. And, and people think that like heroin addicts are like high all the time. I was a functional addict because at some point you don't shoot heroin to like get high. You shoot heroin because you can't function without it. So like a lot of times I was doing it and people couldn't tell I was high. I would go to shoots and I would go do things and go work and like, and no one could tell I was high. And it's because I was literally just doing it to stay alive. Like that was hell on earth. But if I can fucking make it through that, then like what I'm hoping is like these kids that are like looking at my art that these kids that are like listening to my tweets and like seeing me go through this process. And even if I have to go to a mental institution saying like me coming out saying, Hey, you know what? I'm not safe right now. And my life is valuable. So I'm going to check myself in. And that's totally okay. Speaking up, speaking up is not easy, but it's so, it's so necessary and valuable. And like, and I I just like really quick, like asking for help is like, it, it, it seems like it's, it's the weak thing to do, but it's like the strongest thing to do. And, uh, and it's, and it, I mean, it's not easy. It's not like a straightforward thing. There's no like playbook, like this is how you do it. Or, and like, if you follow this, it's a guarantee, but like at, like, if you need help, like ask for help, if you like, it, you're, you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. You're never alone. And like, if you like if anyone here is like ever like doubting the fact like I just like as a PSA if like you think going to the like a hospital or going to a treatment center like that sort of thing is weak it's not weak the weak thing is to harm yourself the weak thing is to give up and 
when you hurt yourself or you use drugs, what you're doing is you're limiting your ability, the potential for you to be happy. And it's better to ask for help. And, and, and like Ball's Life said, like, there's, it's not linear. There's no, there's no correct way. Like, no one is going to teach you to, to just be not mentally ill anymore. It's not going to happen. Like, it's, it's, it's just not going to happen. And we keep telling these kids that, oh, we'll give them, we'll give them an antidepressant and they'll get better. And like, but then you tell them they're going to be okay. And it's like, well, if you're talking to a kid who was just sexually abused, they're not going to be okay for a long time. And they need to be prepared for that. And they need to like, we need to treat that. Like we need to stop telling kids like, oh, we're just going to give you pills and throw you in therapy. And like, no, we need to like, we need to address what's going on. And like these, these kids have been damaged. Like if you are hurting, you're thinking about yourself it is not because you're a bad person or that there's something inherently wrong with you. You're damaged. And there's people out there that are, that went to school to help you. There are people that studied eight to 10 years to help you and they will help you. All you have to do is like reach out and ask for that help. And like, like, honestly, like I've made good money. I don't have a ton of ETH laying around, but if you need money for a fucking treatment hospital, God damn it. Fucking send me a message. Like I, I, it, NFT's paid off my medical fucking debts from being in treatment centers. Like do what you have to do. I'll fucking buy your NFT. Like if, if that's what it takes, but please God, like I lost my best friend, you know, to suicide. And like, I care about the art community, the NFT community, like as a family, because this is taking care of me. Like, please, like seriously, just ask for help. Like Ball's life said, like it's so simple and it's like such a strong thing to do. I mean, and on a serious note too, like for one, first of all, thank you so much, man, for sharing all this stuff. Cause there's such power in sharing, not even and for any problem anyone's going through, just hearing another person's problems, just like, it opened, it opens a different portal to like your own self too. And even like, we all have problems, you know, they might not be addiction, they might not be whatever, but like, it, it, it's powerful to share your story, because it creates a space where everyone else feels comfortable sharing theirs too. So I mean, and like you're saying, the beautiful thing about this community is like, if there is a person in here that is having a problem, I mean, and doesn't have the resources, I guarantee like with the people in this space right now you could easily raise the, the funds to anonymous and anonymously too and not have to have anyone ever be like oh like this and like it's it, that's what's so beautiful about about everything that we're doing and all the little things that we're talking about in here and dude to hear your story is joey is um it's really special man it's really special thank you yeah and i think like the the main point of me telling my story is like that there's other people out there who are scared to talk about it they're scared they've been you know like like for me, like talking about up for like, like kids that were sexually abused and, and then kind of left to dry, um, by like a system that really wasn't prepared to like help people like that. Like there's so many kids out there that are adults now that like have these like incredible stories. We just kind of like, you give like, that's why I love that the NFT space gives like the space for artists to talk because you could bring up any artist and like it's not a pissing contest, you know, it's like every story is unique and beautiful in its own way. And like giving people like the time and space to tell their story is important. But I just want to like with my goal with like being so open and sharing my story is is just to allow other people to be like, oh, shit, shit happens. And, you know, like life has to move on. And if, like there's other people going through this. And if if they're getting through this, then fuck it. I can, too, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess I don't want to <laughs> 180 the conversation at all. Um, 
to to bring it back to the launch a bit. But um, we have over a hundred owners of the base squiggle set already. Yo, I had a I had exciting. a fractional art question for you, Dees. Um, so I got the yeah, uh, sorry if this question was repeated. I missed the earlier part. Um, no, so I got it, the curated ABC token, and then I wanted to put it into the liquidity pool on Uniswap. So one, I was wondering, what happens if yeah. a buyout happens? Like, what happens to the liquidity pool? So, our, um, so you're saying you're going to put your liquidity into Uniswap V3, and then if it gets bought out, what happens yeah. to your liquidity? We're going to have Andy on stage to oh, explain you know just that. Yeah, I can hear you. I might not be on the best. Yeah, yeah, we can hear Do you I sound Andy. okay? No, you sound okay. good. Cool. Uh, I can I can give a little color here too if that helps. Um, <clears throat> so when kind of the way that the buyouts work in our system is uh, one of the things that like I think is really important, and this is kind of based on some previous fractionalization projects or or attempts that maybe uh, haven't haven't gone as well. Uh, I think you probably know one or two that I'm talking about. Um, is that the the kind of the ability to have like an always on asking price for a buyout? I think is really powerful to to like be able to signal to the the larger world um, like hey you can have this NFT for this price or it'll at least start an auction. And so that's kind of how we like that was kind of a, a big starting point in how we think about uh, pricing a buyout as opposed to some of the other uh, models that are more bid based or more ask based. Uh, and so we require every holder of fractional tokens. So you say you own fractions of the art box curated. Uh, you can set your own personal reserve price, and that's the uh, the price in Ethereum that you would be comfortable with an auction being started at. So say you know say you think that art blocks curated is worth 200 Ethereum, and you'd be happy to sell at that price. Um, then you could set your reserve price to 200. And the system at any given time, based on all of the token holders, is going to take like a, everyone's cumulative reserve prices and calculate what the average is and spit out spit that out as the reserve price for for the fractionalized NFT at any given time. So that's kind of how the reserve pricing works. And so in the situation where you go to LP your tokens on say Uniswap, the Uniswap pool itself obviously is not setting a reserve price. That's like not something that those smart contracts are designed to do. So when you do that, your tokens are essentially no longer voting on the reserve price because they've now been moved into a new wallet address. Um, and that is fine because we, so we require a 50% quorum to be setting a reserve price at all in order for a buyout to be possible. So it's not like if, you know, if 90% of the tokens were all LPing, and could own 5% and like deeply manipulate the price and trigger a buyout for way too cheap. Um, but so say 50, 50 plus percent are setting a reserve price, then you can have a buyout. And so, for example, like I think the Artblocks curated reserve price right now is like 203 Ethereum or something like that. Uh, yeah. So if someone puts up 203 Ethereum, that would trigger a buyout. That buyout would last for seven days right now. It can be updated by the person who originally fractionalizes the NFT to anywhere from three days to two weeks. 
kind of, you know, if you have something that's not super valuable, maybe you want to lower it down to three days because there's no point to have a seven day long auction for that. Um, once the buyout ends, then every holder will be, you will know exactly how much one fractional, one NFT fraction is worth. So if, if it's bought out for, you know, just for an easy example, there's 10,000 total supply of our blocks curated. Say it was bought out for 10,000 Ethereum. Then every, uh, our blocks curated NFT fraction would be worth one Ethereum. And so theoretically in a perfect market, it would then trade to be equal to one Ethereum. And then you could pull out your, um, your tokens that you were providing liquidity with and you could redeem those on the site for Ethereum. Uh, but there's no, there's no time limit. No one can do it for you because we want to make sure that we maintain composability with other DeFi projects and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but so essentially you would like have a pegged price after the buyout. I hope that makes sense and I didn't get too technical or confusing. No, I think I got it. Um, that makes sense to me. So, so when, when the buyout happens, gets triggered and completes, you just pull out whatever's into liquidity and then redeem it on fractional.art back into ETH. Yes. Got it. Yeah, exactly. And so I mean, like, theoretically, and- if, if the fractional tokens, if, if the NFT fractions were trading for more than they could be redeemed for, you could just, you know, sell them on the open market instead. If that, like, you could like arb it down or arb it up either way. Yeah. Theoretically, okay. someone should start doing that once the auction gets close to ending. Um, kind of to, you probably make a little bit of money if you if you played your cards right there. Yeah, What's because like if someone triggered the art blocks buyout right now for us, like I would probably want to pull my liquidity or readjust it because I'm selling it at a discount to what the buyout would be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If, if you, you know, if the liquidity on the pool, say, you know, say it was trading in the pool at 0.9 Ethereum per NFT fraction, and it became evident that, you know, then, then there was a bid for 10,000 Ethereum, and so it was evident that each fraction was worth one Ethereum, you probably would want to pull out because you'd kind of be selling at less than you'd be able to redeem. Yeah, I'd be losing 10% just by being like... Yeah, and so theoretically, like, you know, they're going to, I think in general, it's going to be a relatively inefficient market for the most part because it's not like you know these are not insanely expensive things it's not hundreds of millions of dollars moving around and it's also uh you know uh i would say that the target audience for for what this project is is not some highly sophisticated dex trader um so there probably will be opportunities like that and um but yeah so that's kind of how it should work so and then when you talk about the fraction so um Let's say I own like 10 of the ABC123 token, right, for the art curated, and it sells for 10,000 ETH. So then that is 6 ETH in total that would come, I'm, I'm sorry, 10 ETH that would come to me, right? Got yeah. it. Okay, so the to- each token is one-to-one to one fraction of that art. Is it- yeah, yeah. So basically what happens is, uh, say, again, say you own 10 tokens, and it sells for 10,000 Ethereum. What, we, what the smart contract does is you come and you say, hey, I want to burn all of my tokens. And the smart contract looks at your token balance and it uh, it burns those tokens and also calculates what percentage of the overall tokens you had. And then it gives you that percentage of Ethereum that it is that it currently has, that it won from the auction. Got it. And then, I don't know if you could answer this, I'm still kind of new to Uniswap, but then if I'm setting the price range, I should probably kind of think about the buyout price 
uh, to like kind of figure out where, where like the max range could possibly go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's one of the things that I'm really excited to kind of watch play out in the real world because I have my own personal theories around it. And so like, for example, like one of the more interesting questions I think is, should there ever be a time where NFT fractions are trading at a higher valuation than the current reserve price? You know, what happens if the reserve price is 200 Ethereum, but the NFT fractions are trading at a valuation of 250 Ethereum just because there isn't some whale who wants to buy the whole thing, but there are a lot of, you know, smaller traders who want to buy 1%. Um, and then that probably, you know, if, if that is fair market value, should probably be influencing kind of how the, how the, the market moves um, for any one particular fractionalized NFT. Uh, but I really, really, I think no one really knows what that's going to look like in practice. We can only kind of just theorize about it for now. Cool. Super interesting. Thanks so much. Yeah, for sure. Good questions. Thank you. Yeah, we're talking to maybe get some apes on the site and a tropo put a single ape up and then we're talking to somebody with multiple apes who might do a collection. That'd be awesome. I like, so I literally, you know, naturally as, as we were like getting ready to, to launch everything, I've been, I was probing some questions on Twitter and just like, you know, trying to figure out what would be cool stuff to have. And obviously I was personally reaching out to a lot of people and then also looking at and being like, okay, you know this thing looks like it's priced very fairly and it's pretty rare. Maybe I'll just buy it and list it for that exact same price on fractional um, just to kind of see what happens. And I was looking at one particular ape, the one that went yesterday and then it got sold yesterday. So I didn't do it, but it was the, uh, it was like the four trait with the blue laser eyes. That was like, it's like just a normal Brown ape. It's really sick actually. So I don't know who it is that bought that one. How much did it sell for? Uh, I think the one with the halo too. I think it was like, I think it was like uh, 33. 35. Yeah, uh, unshaven and yellow background. So really it's only the, the fact that it's four trait and blue laser eyes, but I thought it was a cool one. I, I kind of like the, you know, not to get too in the weeds of my own personal ape taste, but I, I think the ones that are like, that look, I kind of like them to either look really, really crazy or be rare, but look really basic. And so I kind of like appreciate that it's just like normal ape colors with a yellow background, but based on the combination, it's actually way rarer than it looks. I think that's kind of cool. One uh one fractional set I would love to see. Speaking of apes and you know new new types of um, fractional art collections, I'd like to see like a like a wardrobe. You know, like we've found that a lot of people like buying uh, avatar NFTs that are sort of matching their other avatar NFTs. So I'd like to see like, um, you know, a, a collection that's like a punk with 3D glasses, then ape with 3D glasses, you know, so on and so forth. So you get kind of your full uh, seven day wardrobe. Yeah, I've, I've, I've liked that idea a lot. It's kind of like what, uh, 
was it Ethlings? You know, not exactly that, but like the idea in general of like having tradable clothing or wardrobes kind of in that same vein. I think it's definitely uh to just take like um just for fun like take you know one of these random nfts that someone's airdropped into my wallet you know what what would be kind of the fees i'd be expecting to pay to get that set up that's a great question um it's so good that it almost sounds like someone uh someone fed you that one but i don't think they have uh so the way that we have the the fee structure set up right now is uh it's relatively straightforward, but also there are currently no fees on the platform. Uh, I, I really like how Uniswap has kind of like gone about their fee setup where, you know, governance can vote in a fee at some point. Um, but it doesn't really feel it didn't feel right to me to have to like launch a platform with fees when we're, you know, not at the point of being a fully like decentrally governed protocol yet. And it's just like the, our governance right now is a multisig that felt I don't know. Felt weird. So I'd prefer to have it something that can be voted in by governance when the time comes. Um, so the way it's set up for this version is once turned on, uh, there will, there will be total supply inflation to the assets that are fractionalized, whether it's a single NFT or a, a basket of NFTs, and that will get paid out to a governance address, a governance determined address. So that basically will start to, take in like it almost becomes like a small index of everything that's been fractionalized on the platform um, but that will is again like not on right now and probably won't be on for for a while um, as far as that that's the only fee that that exists um, as far as like gas cost fees go we worked really hard to make it not be too expensive if you are fractionalizing one individual thing it you know, obviously, depending on on the price of Ethereum and, and gas costs at any given time, it should cost you maybe like 50 bucks. Um, it's like a little less than 500,000 gas. Uh, if you're fractionalizing a big like bundle of things, it's going to get more expensive pretty quickly with the gas fees. But uh, but for one thing, it actually is relatively cheap, all things considered. Is it, uh, is it like kind of on, you know, just whatever, assuming normal gas conditions, which is a weird phrase to say these days because times are so crazy, but, you know, let's just use that $50 number. Does it, uh, you know, if I was to fractionalize a set of, say, 10 NFTs, would that just scale up linearly to 500 or is it, you know, uh, logarithmic, exponential? What's the relationship there? Yeah, so not exactly. The, so the main, with the one single NFT, the, the main cost is deploying um, the vault contract, which is, you know, that, that's kind of what we call the smart contract, which custodies the NFT and generates, is also the ERC-20 token contract. Uh, and so that's the, the bulk of the of the $50 cost there in gas fees. When you are creating a bundle of NFTs, we also have to deploy um, an, an NFT bundle contract, which is 
Um, it's basically an NFT that can hold other NFTs. And so that costs some gas to deploy, obviously. And then lastly, you have to transfer, you have to approve and transfer all of your NFTs into that bundled NFT. Um, and then from there, you just deploy the vault like normal. So that, that's where the bulk of the transaction cost comes from. So it's, you know, maybe 2x in so much as you're deploying two smart contracts as opposed to one. And then kind of uh, death by a thousand cuts, depending on how many NFTs you decide to put inside the put inside the basket. Um, it's, it's still it, I say that like it's terrible. It's not that bad. You know, it's going to cost you, a, you know, a couple dollars to especially if they're all from the same uh, smart contract. It'll cost you a couple dollars to set approval for all, and then however much it costs to transfer an NFT normally is basically it. So it's it's not that bad. It, you know, in in the worst case, if you like, if you were fractionalizing a basket of fifty things, maybe it would in total cost cost you a couple hundred bucks. But we tried pretty hard to get it as low. Okay, nice. Yeah, cool. So it sounds like you know your uh, your you know, the sort of the, the more that you're fractionalizing in your bundle, like the, the, the better off you are from a gas efficiency perspective. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the no fee structure is awesome. That's definitely going to help it grow in the beginning. Cool. Yeah. I appreciate it. I, I think that that's, that's kind of, you know, not just around what we've been building now, but in general, I think that trading some early fee accrual for basically, you're basically just like, paying for growth in the form of not taking fees is uh, a pretty smart move for that are trying to figure stuff out, or at least I hope it is. I, I feel that it is, obviously. What, um, I'm, I don't know if there's like one answer to this question, but you know, one of the things I love about uh, NFTs is just being able to use my profile picture, my banner. Um, maybe this is a question for uh, these like, so if I bought some of the fractionalized, you know, Art Blocks uh, curated collection, would uh, like could I use one of those as say my Twitter banner if I want to rotate out the squiggle? I mean, absolutely. Um, right now, I mean, you could use it as your Twitter banner, and you don't even need to own it. Um, <laughs> but I think <laughs> from a community acceptance standpoint, then you're 100% going to see people showing off a fractionalized ownership of an NFT. And uh, Andy and the team and I, we've also talked about some ideas in the future to even have a way for you to display your fractional ownership in like a um, addition, like an 1155 or something. You know, maybe if you fractionally owned a piece of this X copy, it would be an 1155 that looks similar to the X copy with a fractional logo in the corner and maybe like a green border or slightly um, kind of like a translucent green look over it, something to signify like immediately that, hey, that isn't the real one of one, but also that, you know, it's a legitimate fractional ownership of that. That sounds cool. Yeah, what you said. <laughs> that sounds so awesome saying, to me. You're saying get in right now, like you flex <laughs> with them, you know, and it's above water before there's any kind of Oh, we got Kai coming up on stage hey. too. To talk about the uh, dissected me bit that they put up. What's up, Kai? Oh, yeah. I know it's it might be your first time on Spaces. There's just the mute button on the bottom left. That should be the only thing you have to hit. Welcome, Kai. What's up, man? 
Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit new to spaces as well, so I'm being a little bit of a, a boomer here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's great to hear hear about the launch finally. I know we're talking about it. Uh, I was talking to the uh, the Virgins guys about it uh, as we were doing our our giveaway with the Mebits. So I've sort of seen the you know the the process going on, but but now it's finally I guess it's it's revealed to everyone else that they can start using. It. I would, it's exciting just watching the owners go up. Oh, sorry, Andy. No, yeah, I, I would love to just like give you a little bit of space to give your pitch of like Mebits DAO and what you what you guys are doing. I mean, I'm a I I bought into one of the the founders NFTs. I'm really excited about it. Um, I'd love to just kind of hear more about your your larger vision for it and and what you guys are doing with the dissected Mebit and. And kind of everything to go along with that. I feel like you've done a really great job up to this point of, you know, kind of building the the narrative around it and like that dissected me bits launch video was really sick. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, thanks. So, so yeah, basically, um, I mean, the background on on Mebus DAO is that we, uh, you know, this came about at the time that I was um, working with with. Uh, my partners at, a, at a, a new company called Block Block. Uh, we were talking about an interest in DAOs and wanted to learn more about DAOs, and kind of came to the conclusion that the best way to learn about DAOs is just getting stuck in and 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 doing, you know, setting one up and building the tools that we need. And we had done like an early tool called CryptoSign that that was, um, you know, helpful in this in this space. Uh, and then when Mebits came around, that you know we were excited, and I, I kind of went heavily into Mebits just because I was excited about the new Larva Labs project and fact that they were talking about the metaverse um but also everyone's talking about the metaverse so so that's the question what does that actually mean and you know you see people approaching this as uh virtual worlds and building up virtual worlds and doing land sales you can see that approach to the metaverse but um you know i i was interested in uh kind of an open way of approaching the metaverse and thinking that you know really if, if for the metaverse to work it's about connecting all these virtual worlds up and, and you know, for, for you to be a, an individual that has, I mean, kind of, it seems like the promise of the metaverse is for, for everyone in the NFT space is that you can take all your NFTs and, and bring them into the metaverse, whether it's, you know, one virtual world, whether it's the sandbox or something space or what have you. Um, but you're kind of identity, carrying all your artifacts from place to place. So, uh, it seemed like it made sense to to kind of you know since since Mebits were were uh, put forward as as like the artifact first that you're starting with the NFT and and you know kind of building the metaverse around that it seemed like a great place for us to think about you know how do you, how do you build an open metaverse um, and and what are the ways to approach doing that so we we you know started off by doing I mean before we could even get anywhere we had to do some projects like just converting your 3D models so that you could use them in different ways. We converted them to a format that, as a test run for a project, we converted them to a, a format that you could use in, uh, you know, in AR and VR, and, and a common format for that. Uh, so that gave us a sense of how we want to run projects. Uh, and then we wanted to set up the DAO so that we could have a kind of development fund uh, to to continue these projects. So we want to have a fund that, you know, people can propose different types of projects, whether it's, you know, bringing me into, uh, you know, a, a game or, or building a kind of environment. One of the projects that we're actively kind of nurturing now is just a, a photo booth. So you have a way to 
interact and play with your me bits. Um, and we just wanted to do do more of this. So uh, the 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 governance model on top of that is going to allow us to decide. Well, it begins to build up our treasury. So we've, we've had pretty good uh, pretty pretty good uh, success with that, in that we've you know almost uh, reached capacity with our initial two hundred founders, and, and you know to build and eventually have a, a generalized uh, membership as well. Uh, this is the fun that we want to uh, enable developers to, to come to the community and to say, or to come to the DAO uh, community and to say, no, I have this cool idea, I want to build something, and then we'll be in a position to, to come in a hackathon and, and to, to judge it and uh, just to start to make grants on uh, and, and bounties and to set bounties on different projects so that people can build you know the building blocks of the of the metaverse. So that's that's the spirit of what the is. Um, but given the price point of MeBits, uh, we're excited about things like fractionalization because uh, you know not everyone. We first of all we want to grow beyond the community of you know four thousand five hundred or so or five five thousand MeBits owners. We want it to be a bigger community of, of metaverse enthusiasts. Uh, so so how can we begin to get people to feel some sense of ownership if they don't necessarily own me bit. Uh, and, and fractionalization is a really great way to do that. So uh, when we found out about the, the dissected, uh, you know, uh, fractionalization, that seemed like a great way to get people involved. And we were doing a promotion. We, initially, we did an airdrop of these red red tickets. So red tickets went out to everyone who owned me bit. We finished our blue ticket promotion, which goes out to Everyone on Twitter who, who uh, retweeted the, the promotional tweet and signed up on, on our crypto sign. Um, so there, we're, we're in the process of including airdrop now. Uh, everyone that, that, fit, that did that within the promotional window will get a blue ticket and finally a gold ticket for for our Discord uh, to reward the people that have sort of been early adopters and early members of the community in the Discord. Uh, and out of all those, we're going to do a prize uh, or sort of the giveaway uh, is details are on the blog, uh, but we're we're going to do a prize drawing, which is going to be live uh, broadcast from Somnium Space. We're going to have you know Mebits presenting, uh, and and Karen Bonia is is, uh, is kind of our three D guy that's been doing a lot of the videos, um, and and you may also see like Jonathan Man Songaday Man is doing a lot of the music videos with us. Um, so yeah, we're we're going to kind of make an event out of it and. And then do a drawing of these tickets and give away some some of the dissected shards. Uh, and the longer term vision is that we'll have a, a kind of club dissected. So if you want, you know, if you're really enthusiastic about the space, maybe you can get a few dissected shards, and we'll have a way for you to participate in this in this club dissected, uh, so that you can feel like you're you're a part of the community, and and you know you'll be able to take part in the rewards and we'll have giveaways and things like that. Um, and general community building activities that you can be a part of without necessarily uh, needing to own a, a MeBit or multiple MeBits. So that's what we're looking to and what we're excited about with the, you know, fractionalization of, of NFTs. Um, I mean, you could also imagine a model where, you know, maybe maybe we pool a, a set of MeBits together and fractionalize that. And owning a fraction, you know, a certain percentage of that could mean that uh, we're, we're, we're sort of, letting you have a right to use that avatar in the metaverse. So maybe it's like I own 
10 percent of the pool and that means i can choose any of these me bits when i when i jump into the sandbox or jump into decentraland or something like that so so i think it's an exciting space to play in so you know they have that price point that's a little bit of a barrier and to entry for the broader community especially newcomers so that's, that's kind of the pitch uh and and we're excited about building the governance model that we have now that we have founding members on board. Um, so we're slowly building up the DAO itself and building up, um, you know, rolling out how this is all going to be decentralized and automated. And that's just, you know, taking some time to, to link everything up technically, but also uh, legal as well. So yeah, I'll just I'll just kind nice. of stop. Little... <laughs> hey, go for it. No, it was um, I don't know if it's like a connection issue. It could be spaces. There's a little bit of lag in there, but I mean, I just really like what you guys are doing for the community. It's the first, um, to me at least, like Larva Labs kind of focus, not focus, but like it's a DAO spun off directly from a Larva Labs project that isn't like. Um, fingerprints with the glyphs like i feel like you guys are doing a lot more to try to get me bits out in front of people who aren't always seeing them and also just giving people a very low barrier to entry like you said and the thing is too with the me bit like the barrier to entry is already lower than some other projects but mm -hmm. to me like you know dissected me bits way cooler than the the floor me bits yeah yeah that part of that definitely um, so we want to, you know, we're just starting to think about and, and, you know, any ideas are welcome as well. Like we're just, we're just starting to think about how, how to get the dissected shards into the hands of, and to distribute them to people through this giveaway and through, uh, kind of promotions and contests. But, you know, the next step of what, you know, club dissected is the concept, but we don't, we don't know, you know, we we're thinking about things like merch, but, but interesting to think of like, what's this. What does that grow into like in you know in years time? I'd like to see merch where you sell the same like. Well, can you even sell the Larva Labs hoodie that me that's wearing? Like, probably not because it's Larva Labs fucking logo. That was stupid. I answered my own question, but it'd be cool <laughs> to sell the merch that the me that's actually wearing. Yeah, I mean, so so that's a. I mean, we're we're we have beginning some of dialogue with, with Larva Labs. So I mean, those are some of the things that. Maybe put to them in the future to, to give us advice on. Um, but uh, I mean, for something like, I mean, we have a, we, we work work with uh, Waxbones, Cal Jeps, who's been doing these these badge drops. Uh, so we had like a, a Milebrity competition and things like that. These amazing badges and like the first one hundred badges. So we'll we'll probably have some artwork for him just to like celebrate that you're part of Club Dissected, and you know that could be pretty cool. And so I think a lot that we can do without without um, you know, until until we have like more of a definitive answer on you know where where can we use MeBits likenesses or their coding likenesses. Um, so yeah, so we still we still need to know where where you know where where the line is on that. But but I think there's a lot we could do with merch even without uh, kind of going into that territory. If you don't mind me asking, how and maybe you haven't even talked to him too much, but how has Larva labs been like i'm assuming you've worked with them and you know talked to them about your idea and basic thought process with behind me but style like were they really receptive and happy to see that or 
I because uh, like you know how it is being in the punks Discord. You don't we don't really get to talk to the Larva Labs people. They're just kind of more of a shadowy figure that is there in case there's a bug or an issue. But until that comes up, you know they're really hands off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it sounds like they they are kind of have a plan for you know i'm not clear on what what the plan is other than that they're committed to you know spending quite a few years on on the development of maybe it's eco move forward um but but yeah they're a little bit uh opaque even to us in in that we uh you know we didn't we didn't share a lot of plans up front we we approached them um asked if they were were interested in being advisors and and said yes and they're you know but the future of like what that means we're still working out uh, we actually went off down into a, a sort of side conversation of how to optimize the um, the models, like how to optimize the box models when you import them into, into 3D. So I think I think they're kind of my my understanding, and I wasn't deep into the punks community, so there are probably folks that have more interaction with them through that than I do. But uh, my 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 sense is that they just want to kind of be a little bit of, be a little bit free of distraction and just crank away on what they want to work on and and you know they'll release things like we see them making updates to the website so they're just going to kind of release things on their own schedule without really getting pulled into like the community asking for this the community asking for that mm-hmm. but i think I, well, I kind of hope that we can you know we we're kind of working well in parallel in that sense because it's like we're we're engaging with the community over in the dow uh and you know they're they're kind of free to, to push ahead with whatever they they want to push ahead with um and we're just kind of building you know, building that, those communication links with them and getting a sense of like, what do they want to feedback on? Um, and, but, but generally, I think when we approached them, we were just looking for, you know, are we getting a thumbs up? Are they, are they really happy with the direction that we're going in? Uh, and they seem to be so. That's good. That's, I mean, that's what we expect, I think, but it's good to like hear it confirmed that they're just like, hey, we like what you guys are doing. Keep doing it. We're not going to get in your way. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's. Which is, uh, I mean, now that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Oh no, you can go. We're still like sort of figuring out what what the, the advisor relationship is. Um, but I mean, I, I guess the way I'm thinking of approaching it is like just to make regular bulletins to them and and you know. Give just kind of highlight things from the community. So, you know, I know that that uh, commercial rights is something that has come up a lot in the community. So I might like put that in the bulletin and say, by the way, this is so give them like three three or four things and see if they want to respond to something, and then we could feedback feedback back to the, the community. Tropo, I'm sorry I haven't. I'm looking into your uh, liquidity thing real quick. Yeah, by the I think way. I fucked it up. I don't know, dude. I, I, uh, like I told you, I just like getting my hands messy, and sometimes I fuck up. No, I mean, that's, I think, the way to learn with this stuff. It's almost feels esoteric until <laughs> exactly. you start approving transactions and seeing how things move and seeing how all the pieces work together. Like, 
in these type of situations where you can provide a single asset in a really concentrated range and allow a lot of buyers to come in while not having to put up that giant amount that a 50-50 yeah. pool would take. I got a question about um, Discord. Will Have you guys thought about automating Discord creation around vaults? Like chat channels automated around um, yes. vaults that are created? Yeah, that's something that is immediately on our uh, focus list of things to look into and do. One of the things I'm a little concerned about, too, is spamming of channels. Like, you know, if we have it automatically just make a channel for any vault, then it's really uh, going to fill oh, up yeah. really quick. So, like, figuring out some way that the community likes where we can, you know, kind of red light or green light. Um vault into like becoming its own channel being its own community and then we can have it locked behind collably and stuff too or like you know in the future even have the discords broken out based off collections like you know how the punks comic already kind of has the pixel vault discord yeah revolves around their community like you know we might have something like that for other i guess that, collections, that's what i was thinking on is like you you know my idea for this would be to um bootstrap the creation of discord for a vault owner or you know at least for the person uh maybe setting it up and i don't know exactly how that would play out but um just to kind of like give give uh a start to the discord community if the owners want to you know start to create a community around their vault Yeah, that's smart. That way, at least the owner has to come in and choose it. It's just automatic, but we still get them a streamlined process where it doesn't require our Yeah, and it's like basically it. just a, a welcome channel for all the spam and collab land integration for the actual token to get to the good stuff. That's, that's a really good idea. I, I, in general, love the idea of being able to have, like, I mean, one, just collab land is really cool. Uh, just kind of I'll preface with that. And so I love the idea of being able to create collab land based discord channels that, you know, I, I think one of the things that's cool about that is it doesn't have to be a DAO. It doesn't have to like, you don't have to have a crazy formalized structure. It's just a place where people who are collecting the same things and excited about the same things can like yeah. come and talk yep. and, and like shoot the shit about different, you know, a different NFT that they all own a part of. I think that's like, really cool and exciting to have these kind of like very low pressure places to, to collect and make friends and, and see who's excited about the same kind of stuff as you. Yeah. That's what's kind of cool about like X copies discord. It's just people who are either collectors or, or want to be, or just a fan. And I think you could get something similar going with channels that are um, gated by token ownership. You know, you don't get the, the people who are speculating, but I think if if they're interested in joining that, um, you know, Five Eyes community, they're they're probably already familiar with the artist and and uh, just giving them a way to connect uh, in a in a super like low friction kind of easy way would be really cool in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think you know it. it gets even cooler when you can 
you know, uh, to my knowledge, this doesn't exist right now. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm incorrect, but I believe Collab Land does it only support ERC20 tokens, or as it doesn't support ERC721s, and I just have never used that that functionality before. Um, but I'm gonna just go and assume that it doesn't. But you can then also ha- allow creators to to find themselves in in you know smaller channels with people who they know. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure someone like XCopy at this point has a, an incredible amount of noise in his in his digital life around the people who try to interact with him, and it'd be cool for him to be able to have a dedicated channel where it's based on collab land, and he knows you have to own 5% of one of his pieces to be a part of it. And so it's not, you know, you don't have to be a millionaire to be able to, to talk to him in that channel, but he can kind of help reduce the noise a little bit and have, have a place where he knows the people who are there and, and talking to him. <clears throat> are invested in him and excited about the, the work that he's making. Yeah. I will say, uh, I, I, I get your point and I'm not disagreeing with it. I'm just saying for X copy, like, I think that's not the case because the, the, you know, his discord is very open and key, yeah. but like, yeah, I get what you're saying for, for the general community. Yeah. I'm just using it as an example. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think just like automation around Discord is something that's not really been explored much at all. And I think when you have tools like yours that automate a lot of things uh, contract and token-wise, it would be something interesting to explore. Yeah, I'm looking at Collabland's documentation right now. It looks like they even do do like any ERC, so 721, 1155, and 20. So, yeah, we do have a few options available to us there. I think, like you said, automating that to the point where we don't even need to manually touch it and you can set up your own bot with your own vault token already in a templated environment that you can obviously tweak then after is just a nice place to get to yeah yeah that'd be cool and i don't know if it's like... i was just gonna say i'm having too much fun going through and looking at all the fractionalized vault holders and then like looking at all the transactions it's just a lot of fun to see this many people getting in AirPods finally died, so I have to go through speakerphone until these charge a little bit. <laughs> the worst. I'm currently on my I'm currently on my over ear Bose while my AirPods charge as well. That's like the biggest struggle with like uh, AirPods versus the over ear headphones. It's like these Bose last an eternity. So like if I turn off the noise cancellation on them, they I think they can go for like 24 hours straight. What do you got? Well, you gotta get. You gotta have two pairs of AirPods. I actually have the rest. Of, I have the old ones and the new and the ones. Thing and the active pair. You know, <laughs> split split the D. I know it feels like I need to buy a second pair of AirPods just to have a pair always charging while the pair in my ears are. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, it's the move. It's so convenient. And AirPods are so small, just like, it's, it's just so easy to like, 
just switch between I don't know if it's as good of an investment as a crossbow, but you know, if you're looking to uh, up your game with uh, investing, wait, uh, I feel like I've missed some conversation here. So Joey talking about the value of investing in crossbows. After he made some sales the other night, um, the first thing he did was buy a crossbow. Yeah, I bought a crossbow. <laughs> So, like, when you're supporting young artists I'm simple man. and you're buying their work on Parable <laughs> or wherever they put it out, you're helping them get crossbows, and that's what we're here for. You're helping us all get crossbows. Now, to be fair, I haven't bought the crossbow yet. Hunter just invited me to come to his property and shoot crossbows with him. So I was like, all right, I'll buy the crossbow. But I'm, like, between, like, a $600 one and, like, a $3,000 one right now. Because the $600 one does not come with a sniper <laughs> scope, but the $3,000 comes with a sniper scope, and like I feel like that's essential. Would you do? You, would you say you're actively sniping a lot of things with with uh, with arrow based <laughs> weapons? Is that like a big part? Well, of not yet, Andy. I don't cross. Do, do you anticipate that? Like, would you say that? <laughs> if you... I live in downtown Chicago, so what I, I'm thinking I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna rent an Airbnb like somewhere across the street. Just shoot this bad boy right across fucking Clark Street, right into the ap other apartment, you know, like uh, American Sniper style. Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally legal, too. I've heard that, that Chicago's been saying they need more crossbows. That's just, like, not yeah. a big enough Yeah, well, the you're not allowed to have guns here. You're not allowed to have guns here, but there's nothing that the municipal government has said about crossbows. So... As far as I'm concerned, I'm having that crossbow shipped to my address, and uh, I'm gonna be—I'll be carrying it openly in the park, patrolling. Hell, if I make a few more sales, maybe on horseback, maybe on horseback. That's what we inspire to: ride a horse, shoot a crossbow, fractionalize our NFTs. I actually, I'm I'm looking at getting into the fractals right now. That's why I've been so quiet. I wonder what the price of the art block set is at now because we put a good amount of that liquidity in a really tight range. I want to see if it actually moved. I kind of want to see uh, Joey on horseback. So, like, Joey, DM me the link to that collection, please. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, we got a W live. Hell yeah! Yeah, thank you. What's All right, happened? I'll DM you right now. Holy shit, dude. Someone's faking you, and I didn't check it? Holy shit. Faking Someone's Andy? going around as a fake right Andy, and I just sent them Ethereum not thinking. Holy oh. shit. No. Are you no. Serious? Yeah, what? I did. Are you for real? You Holy shit. Wait, wait, dude, I wasn't even thinking. I've been so busy. Holy shit. No. Wait, how much did you send them, bro? I sent them eight Ethereum. <laughs> no, wait. no. no. Dude, dead, dead ass? Dead Is ass. this a joke, these? Dead ass, I sent them eight Ethereum, dude. I literally am so fucking Just now? Stupid. Like, literally just now? Literally uh, in the last, like, dude, ten I, minutes. Like, literally... Holy, bro, fuck. holy shit. I, I should have just asked you on stage. I literally just thought, like, holy shit. Wait, yeah, he just he just sent me a DM, too. Yeah, I, I literally didn't even think about it. I'm just doing all this shit going on, and I was like, oh. And then I saw, like... 
yeah holy shit i'm a fucking idiot so there goes eight ethereum that's like what no dude no no what no that's fucked up See, and that's exactly Maybe what you get about these that's like Rock, All right, these you got to mint that transaction hash and then post it and fractionalize it and make the buyout yep. price 80. <laughs> That's genius. Dude, that guy is going to buy so many crossbows. Fuck, he's going to be on horseback tonight. He's that guy's going to be on horseback before I am, dude, and he's the bad guy. I'm the good guy here. Like I'm not going to have to joust this guy with my crossbow. How do we ban this guy? Oh shit. Yeah, no shit. Sadly, that is, like, not super possible. Yeah, he needs to be reported, um, guys. Yeah, let's... I, I think, if anyone... Deez, can you can send you? what their, um, like, full Twitter handle is in, like... Or just send it to me or something, and I'll share it, or just post yeah. it in general? Dude, I'm so fucking stupid. I can't believe I did this. Dude, these can you just like give us some of the backstory? Like, what? What was the eighty-four? Dude. Like, what? You know, why, why did, did they need it? I'm a fucking idiot and wasn't really like <laughs> checking shit. And some guy claiming to be Andy DM me. He said he was having an issue with the buy limit on Binance, and he was selling some OTC to his friend IRL. And then, uh, dude, I, was I got that too. I I wasn't even thinking honestly. I was like, oh shit, Andy hit the dude, limit. I don't even it's have like a Binance account. It's a t- <laughs> dude, my yeah. my reaction was like, whoa, Andy's DMing me. This is cool. And I'm like <laughs> And then I started to go on about my problems with the liquidity. I'm like pool. insulted I didn't get a DM from this scammer. Like <laughs> I, he said, Hey brother, did you know? He just reached out, said there was a buy, like he was having an issue with the fucking limit on exchanges. And my dumbass sent him one Ethereum, two Ethereum, and then five Ethereum. Not even in one transaction, but three transactions. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, Andy is going to sell some OTC and then he'll hit me back. It's no big deal. Like, wouldn't have even thought. But I, you know, looking back, it's obvious that I just fucking. I'm looking at like seven different chat windows, looking at this Discord space, looking at all this other shit. And uh, yeah. Dude, it, it got me too. I was like, I congratulated fake Andy on the launch, and he just said thanks. It's <laughs> like, oh okay. Yeah, I- dude, you're not an idiot. That's a like, it makes sense. Yeah, dude. but that's pretty sad. Was this on yeah. Twitter? It was on Discord. Or on Discord, oh, the five. God. He's like Andy eight zero five two, but the actual like Discord digits are different, of course. Yo, Andy, are you the real Andy that I was DMing with on Twitter earlier about the ringer situation? Is that you? <laughs> that yeah, that, that's actually me. All right, so let, let, Andy, let. can you prove that you're Andy right now? Okay, tell us something <laughs> only Andy would know. Shit. These, uh, I can't believe that your Twitter space became a place where a person was able to target you and like just heard what a good dude that you were and heard us talking about doing trustless trades and shit earlier. And that was just like, Oh my God, I have the best idea. I was just thinking. About what a scumbag. G was talking. Now I know about if I ever need eight Ethereum from, from D's. Yeah, I don't, dude, I wasn't it. thinking at all. Like just, no, nah, man, that's not on you. That's nah. on that fucking douche. No, nah, I mean, yeah. it's on don't. me. I, I don't think I've ever actually been scammed. So for me to do that and just not even think about it, you know. 
these you can all like you make transactions every day you can only make so many transactions before something like this happens yeah i'll, I'll give you my story one time i was uh this will make you feel better is that well, it's not a scammer thing but i was like trading illiquid shit coins and i like had to set my slippage really high and i was trading 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 whatever uh forgot stop doing that go back to uniswap make like a pretty large trade where i would want to set my slippage back to a normal amount and i got front run because my slippage was really high and i lost like twenty thousand dollars just from some like slippage bot uh arbing my trades and that's the dangers of trading illiquid shit coins that's insane d's if you want to send me a ethereum feel free dude yeah, if you send eight Ethereum to me, it is safe in my hands. We'll soon be going to a literally course. everyone in this chat is sliding into Deez's <laughs> DMs right now. Hey, hey, hey Andy, it... have you ever said "Hey, brother"? Because that's what your fake Andy no. said to me. Honestly, I hate that he thinks I would say that. <laughs> really, he yeah. thinks actually no, it's he thinks that other people think that I would say that, and that's really embarrassing for me. I, well, I, I will say I thought it was uncharacteristic, but I went with it. <laughs> I don't think I'll, like, not that it's a word that I use a lot, but I don't think I'll ever use the word brother again now after this. Certainly not in NFT world ever again. The word is, like, canceled. Yeah, it's, it's a key word for a scammer. Hey, brother. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. Can you, guys, camera language. can you guys hear me? I was trying to join and share because I had a similar experience, but I think I can't tell what's happening to our spaces. I can hear you now, yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Last week I had a similar experience to D's where I was doing like too many things and um, I was trying to exchange some, uh, some of this crypto that like didn't have, wasn't on any exchanges. So I'd typically done it with OTC before and went back to the same OTC guy. And there was a scammer who had like exactly the same profile picture as the um, OTC official person. And I even asked my friend if it was the same person. And then he missed that there wasn't mutual servers between us and I did too. And I was doing too many different things to just look for that tiny little detail because everything else was the same, the screenshot, the, the name, not the numbers of course, or numbers actually yeah, probably weren't the same, but I wouldn't even know the numbers. So man, I also, not quite as much as UDs, I'm sorry about that, but I feel like there would be awesome to have a tool that allowed you to verify like different people across platforms like it would just be nice to have your identity between discord twitter and um like an nft you own all be able to be linked in some way so you would wouldn't have that issue or if they would just verify people in the crypto space and artists instead of like random journalists with 11 followers but isn't your like owning your nft like a form of verification and by itself yeah, I know. I would ju- it would just be cool to see like Twitter like verify more people in our community. Is what I'm saying. Like, it would make it easier to identify the real Andy, like with that little check mark, than it would have been. Yeah, like it would. That's fair. For them to like, slip in, you know. Anyway, I felt so ashamed after that because I also had never been scammed. Luckily, over like my four years in the space or whatever. So, man, I really feel you, these. And I do think, like, technically, that doesn't sound like the hardest idea to do. I wish, I wish I could just go code it up myself. But I was just curious what others thought. I just, I was sending my friend ETH because, like, he's going through it right now. Like, as you were saying that, these, and now I'm like literally just staring at the fucking address and making sure I got it right. I don't know. I'm super paranoid. This is why ENS names are so important. 
Like I only ever give people, I like only ever send to my own ENS name now. And that's like the only thing I'm comfortable. Like I hate sending to people's random addresses. Did someone in the punks discord asked if it was a tax loss harvesting, uh, tax, if it was you harvesting tax losses. Oh dude, that's lit. These, you just harvested some fucking tax losses. My guy. I mean, yeah. Look at the bright side. All right, I got to bounce to get another call, guys, but I'll be back in later. That's this is still going on. But Thanks, Andy. Congrats on the fractional launch. Cool NFT, so yeah, congrats. With good news. Thanks, guys. I'll Peace, real Andy. Sorry again, Dees. Don't worry. Well, I have a feeling that it'll all pay off in the end. Yeah, it's all good. It's just uh, gonna be at a, a one of those days. It's so embarrassing. I remember yeah. the day I did it. I like couldn't tell my wife for like a week. I was like, I have to, I have to process this myself first. It's just embarrassing. These, I'm wondering. I, I for told you, my wife, and she was just like, "Ah, oh, shit happens." Like she doesn't even care. <laughs> are you more upset about the ETH or that someone scammed you? I'm more which upset that someone fucking scammed me, dude. Like I want to go there. Yeah, and I would be fucking too. do things yeah, that for would sure. get me, for sure, you know, sure. put in jail for the rest of my life. Like hundred percent. If we ever dox this motherfucker, I'll take a ride with you, bro. Bro, I got a crossbow. <laughs> you just say the word. Let's get chain analysis on this. Joey's coming through on the whole hey, crossbow. Yeah, I'm going to show up to this guy's house in like a full set of chain mail. I'm like, I protect thy friend D's. And I'll just fucking one arm pop him with the crossbow. And then then we obtain the 80s and we uh, regroup. And then I go to jail for, you know, and it's. I have a good lawyer. We'll figure it out. Hey, hey guys. Um, I, I requested in right before all this happened with D's. So, uh, sorry, sorry, man. Um, but I just, I, I had a question about fractionalizing, if I could ask. Go for uh, it. I uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I just I'm I'm interested in um, I had posted a tweet about it, but I figured I'd probably get some more direct answers here. But um, I'm thinking about you know can, like can I fractionalize my own NFTs instead of making you know a quantity or like like a ten to ten? Um, would it be better to fractionalize an NFT that way um, for of my own NFT? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. For, me, it, for me as a buyer, it definitely depends. Like, um, like personally, I want to have, I'd rather have in it. Like if an, an artist I love had a one of 10 edition, I would rather have that than be in a fractional one of 10. However, uh, from an investment, that's like just me as in like art collector with shit that I'm not going to sell. But a, as a investment, fractional could be a big deal like especially you know you could see with like a an x copy or something like uh, it could trigger a massive buy like if those if an x copy edition were currently fractionalized instead of in edition form you could see how someone might eat like that might trigger a buyout at a huge price right now in theory though someone could guess if they really wanted to do that could just buy up all the editions and burn a bunch of them and that would turn it into a one-on-one too but I, I think I, I could see it. I could see it, it depending on the piece and the artist and the community around that piece for sure. There, there's certainly merit to both. I think people have tried fractional in the past and and it's failed. Uh, 
So I just bought some of the uh, the X copy tokens to to own fractional share of the X copy one of one. Yeah, it's hard. So you can go and create. You can I could I could like create a one of one with a certain price point and then also offer it fractionalized. Uh, I guess the clarity there is you couldn't sell that one of one then separately basically when you fractionalize it it locks it in a smart contract um and then in order to have the entire piece bought out if say an individual owner wants to buy it they'd have to trigger an auction but yeah you could mint a one on one and then fractionalize it and then offer you know a supply of ownership tokens I feel like collectibles and pieces that are already like already really established are going to be the ones that are successful in this space right now. So I personally, as an artist, wouldn't fractionalize one of my pieces just because I don't have the kind of notoriety that like would warrant people investing, at least not yet. But um, like an X copy or like a, a punk or something like that. Like as an investor, I would I would buy into that, and I'm looking at it right now. I'm just Thank okay, you. right on. I, I was just thinking of it as like an alternative to doing additions, you know, or or if I could, or initially I thought if I minted something one to one that was say too expensive for somebody, then I could also fractionalize it if somebody wanted to buy into it that way. But I, yeah, okay, that makes sense. You can't you can't have both. And, and part of that would be like I think I think fractionalizing your NFT makes sense more if you're an established artist, and this is just my opinion. Um, if you're looking to grow your art, um, and I, I would, I would lean more towards doing additions or, you know, a series of one of ones that you can sell, um, so that collectors feel like they're getting something that's really, really interesting and not like just a share of something as a collector. And, and Dee's mentioned this earlier, I'd much rather have, you know, a one of one art piece, like, uh, you know, like one of Justin's twin flames pieces, um, you know, where it's a one of one or it's or it's 10 copies of one, you know, one series um, then I would rather have it fractionalized where the fractionalization comes into play, at least most intuitively to me, is where an individual likes a piece or likes a collector, but is priced out of the collection and wants either exposure or just some level of ownership of something like an X copy that's really expensive. Um, and the token allows you to get some sort of exposure from an investment perspective and from a collector perspective, right? Um, if you're looking to grow your your art, I would not recommend fractionalizing early. Um, but that that's just, I mean, that's just my, that's sort of my just two cents. And if, if there's other artists in, in, in the call or in the spaces, I guess, feel free to jump in and confirm or deny that opinion. Well, naturally, I'm just, you know, as I'm going along and starting to plan my, minting you know roadmap for my collection of images i've made you know it's it's kind of a trying to figure out how to offer some to people at different price points versus others obviously so an addition is a good way to you know offer something to people who want to collect something who you know don't have the amount of eth that i might want for a one-to-one right yeah and additions i mean additions make sense there um, or, or doing some sort of limited cheaper release makes sense there. And again, I mean, like this is just, this is just coming from my perspective. Uh, I would be far less likely to buy a fraction of an art piece that I can afford the entire piece of. Um, but that's just, that's just me.
That's it. I was, I was, you you beat me to it, Michael. I was going to say the exact same thing. I was going to say, people, if someone, if a collector can straight up afford the piece, you're better off just listing it as a one-on-one yep. anyway. The reason that, like, it's so, like, appealing to have, like, an, a fraction of an X copy is because he's, like, one of the crypto OGs. And they're, you're paying for, like, the history behind, like, X copy and, like, him being in the crypto space. Whereas, like, newer artists, like me and you, like, we kind of have to make our names before we can, our art will be that kind of asset, you know? So it's i would stick to one of ones for no now. there is a there is a scenario so like let's say and obviously uh, and, and i'll check out your art i'm not sure i i'm not sure what your art tends to sell for um you know there is a scenario where let's say you have uh you know your average sale for a mint or for a piece of artwork is half an ethereum to one to two or three ethereum right like that is expensive it's not an x copy it's not a punk but it may be expensive for some collectors so you may want to do an addition where it's like here's a one of one that I am fractionalizing to to specifically for the reason of you know allowing some of the some people to collect it that maybe can't afford you know the bigger pieces and so if it was like if you do that one time specifically for that purpose I could see that happening um, and the larger collectors are not quite as likely to buy out the whole thing right um, you know because it's 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 fractionalized right they're more likely to just focus on the the work that they can buy the entire thing of. And maybe you can even put a limit or a restriction around, who, you know, what, what percentage of it can be owned by a single entity. I don't know if that's possible on, on the fractional, um, you know, with the, with the way fractional is currently set up. But that would be an interesting way to be inclusive, um, you know, of, of collectors that can't quite afford a one or two Ethereum, you know, open, uh, you know, singular one of one edition. Uh, but if you did, if you fractionalized a piece that was valued at two or three or four or five Ethereum and it's like, you know, we sell 20, 20 shares of this piece, right, at point one or whatever, that may be much more affordable. And you could probably access some other cool collector base if you did it as a, one, as, a, as a one-time thing. I just wouldn't make it a habit if you're attempting to grow your collector base. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I'm, I still, I've, you know, I, I have a, I have like a single piece minted right now and a bunch of stuff waiting to go on OpenSea and, you know, and, and trying to keep, and I was thinking too, because like foundation, you can't do series, right? Like you can only do one to ones. Uh, I mean, I just bought a piece. I just bought um, uh, um, uh, a piece on foundation that's part of a series of fifty. It's not an it's not an addition. They're all one of one series. They're okay. a one of one series. Um, you know, I, mm -hmm. I tend to not love foundation. I don't love the auction style personally. I'd much rather it be at a set price and that, and that it's sold at. Um, but I did just buy, uh, you know, one from Alex Cartagena, the carpoolers piece. I just bought carpoolers number 26. Um, it's a, it's a photography NFT. It's sort of like Justin, Justin, just also bought one, I think. Um, and, uh, I, I, I'm a fan of the series, you know, it's a 50 part series. It dropped on foundation. Um, I don't like the auction model personally, but if you were going to go on foundation, it is possible to do a, a complete series, right? Where you can have a series of 50 one through 50 um because i just i just bought one this morning yeah that seems so much easier to to manage and do on OpenSea, you know just with their their interface yeah i mean they you know all the platforms have their pros and cons um open is a clear industry leader you know for a reason um uh, you know obviously like somebody like artblocks has its own way of like sort of minting uh, you know, there is definitely a problem with like 
I, somebody needs to somebody needs to solve the problem of like equitable drops for uh, you know for new mints for artists. That that's like definitely currently an issue. I think um, you know where art blocks are being minted and the gas is being paid like five x the mint cost. Or you know somebody like Pop Wonder or Meg Thorpe. Uh, you know they drop their they drop five or ten or fifteen new pieces and they're you know they're sold out in in thirty seconds. Like that's a great that's great. I just think I think somebody needs to work on the problem of you know sort of making sure that the drops are equitable and people can participate. But it's a good sign that there's really really high demand. Um, and you know I don't think it's, it's I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but it hasn't really been it hasn't really been standardized. OpenSea is still clear number one in my view. Um, Though it could definitely, you know, there definitely is room for somebody else to come along and, and take some market share. And Foundation offers, you know, some interesting pros. Super Rare op- offers some interesting pros and cons. Nifty Gateway has its cons and maybe some pros as well. You know, they all, all the different platforms are still still pretty early, I think. I think, so I've been uh, working with a gallery called I'm Not Art here in Chicago. It's an NFT gallery. I think it'll be interesting to see if a type of like a platform that's designed for physical like showcases will like so someone can walk up to a piece at a gallery and like scan a code and immediately pulls it up on that platform or something along those lines because i think like the biggest problem like physical nft shows are facing right now is like people walk in they want a piece of art but they're like i don't know how to buy it yeah, that's an interesting problem. I could see somebody. I, I could see there being a, a million or billion dollar solution there. Well, I think it's worth uh, what I'm mentioning, though, around like somebody had mentioned the collectibles being fractionalized. Uh, I had, I had touched on this in some Twitter threads, but uh, it is worth highlighting that these uh, you know collectibles and tokens of access and utility are then bound into smart contracts, like. By by entering it into a, a smart contract like this, you're losing that utility. So if you are like have say your only board ape that you're entering entering into a, a into this smart contract, you're losing access and all of those uh, sort of perks that go along with it or uh, points of access. Um, not that that should disincentivize you to doing that, but uh, worth worth noting because. Uh, Someone had mentioned, you know, the possibility of uh, fractionalizing a DAO token for the the Pixel Vault, and uh, the trade off there being that you would lose your vote in the DAO when you did that. Yeah, that totally totally makes sense now. I was going to say, Joey, similar to kind of what you're talking about with with the, the digital gallery, I, what I've been doing with my physical prints uh, the last couple of years is I have QR codes that people can scan and it takes you right to my website and like so you can buy them that way. And I hope one day to be able to integrate that in with NFTs too, where trying to get people converted over, right, um, or at least get them into the, the, the metaverse, so you know, so-called um, you know, when, when your shit's hanging up in a gallery or a coffee shop or a doctor's office or something like that, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's cool to see like 
uh, with especially with I'm not art, like seeing people like like traditional art people and that crowd coming in the galleries and like giving these artists who you know don't have a trust fund to back them up um, a chance to like explore the space. Um, and it's, it's cool to, you know, see people get new people involved with NFTs, like through the physical spaces as well. I've been to a few of their events and met some really great artists. Um, and then I'm uh, showing with them, uh, for their Chicago artist show here in a few weeks, I think. Um, and it's just, uh, it's cool to see like it move into the physical space. So I'm curious on, uh, you know, maybe on a, from a collector standpoint or anybody here who displays any of these at home, like what, what sort of, um, what sort of screens are you guys using? Like what sort of tech outside of just 4k TVs, um, are you choosing to use? Um, is there any consideration on like quality of panels and quality of color or anything like that? I ask because like my other industry I'm in is all about uh, LED wall and high res screens and, and, and coming from photography, you know, like, you know, I, I've invested a lot of money into what monitors I'm working on and how accurate they are. And, and a lot of my industry is kind of about that. So I'm, I'm curious if, if any of that is taken into consideration with how these are presented in a physical space, but with like, you know, with screens digitally. I think there's eventually going to be a market for like digital display screens. I mean, if you look at contemporary art, um, like, like you kind of mentioned that dis displaying things on screens is not a foreign idea. We've been doing that since the nineties, um, in contemporary art exhibits, you go to the MCA and Addy city, you're going to see digital displays. Um, but I think we're going to see like, as NFTs get more popular, like curated kind of like specifically built for high-end nfts um lcd screens uh that galleries will be able to like put in the wall and that people will be able to like interact with um but I, it's still i think right now a lot of galleries are just using um like high-end monitors yeah i'm curious too if they're just how how are they actually getting the media on those screens are they just plugging a computer up to them and then displaying them somehow or is there like a like almost like it, in my in my industry a new big thing is called ndi video and it's it's like video over ip um and we use a thing called srt which is like a, a transport protocol for hd and 4k video over you know wan um and there's a lot there's a big revolution through well covid and all this shit where things have been um the tech has been pushing into ip video for um, like the last couple of years really. And I'm just curious on like, on that end of things where like, you know, you have a monitor system that is, you know, that has the hardware in it to, to get the, you know, get the NFT directly somehow, or, um, you know, and, or some sort of media server to be able to display these things across different screens. Um, I'm just curious on where, you know, it, hopefully, hopefully that tech is being eventually integrated into these live experiences with people, you know? Yeah. I, I felt like from my experience, like I'm not part of the, I'm not art team, at least not yet. Uh, we've had talks about me coming in as a curator, which is kind of like my 
one of my dreams is to curate crypto art. That would be amazing, especially in physical galleries. But um, uh, right now, like, I think I believe everything is run off of separate devices. Um, like at each LED or each sorry LCD monitor is run off a different device, um, which is like problematic. Um, like what I envision for the future is that there will, you know, like, like Michael said, there's a $2 million solution to these problems. Like uh, it's, you know, at some point there's going to be operating systems where an entire gallery of NFTs is going to be able to be able to be completely redone and, and, and curated in a way that's an experience and the NFTs are shifting and moving. And, and we start to apply like from our curation background, like traditional things with curating, like applying color theory and placement and, and knowing what's the, the top pieces of the show and having, you know, like your, your points of emphasis throughout the gallery. And we start to see that kind of move in with NFT shows um, and see more directed shows. I think like as that becomes a more, a more profitable market for people, we're going to see like more tech and more software like working its way into it. Because I can tell you right now, just from talking to like the NFT gallery in Chicago, the curators and the creators of these galleries are looking for it. They're looking for this tech. It just hasn't come out yet. Um, and I think that it, it's going to be huge when it does. I've heard of um, galleries looking into the use of projection mapping or um, AR overlays. Like essentially we'd be, we'd be living in an overlay where we go into these galleries with, with wearable tech. And then the design is, is curated by, by like 3d artists and um, like UX designers working together. I think that's like a direction where things could go. That, that would be incredible. That would be like, such I have a, a, experience. Yeah, one of my good, good buddies, good colleagues uh, has been real deep into the AR and unreal engine space with like all sorts of Nike projects and installations. And I, I focus more on the actual like video distribution engineering and, and how to, how to combine and separate or, you know, uh, spread content across multiple screens and or locations. So I mean, my head, I'm all in the tech there of like, Oh man, like how, how can we get these NFTs, you know, to be more interactive or how can we get them to be higher resolution um, and, and like how we can push that tech end of things. Um, it's almost like, you know, like, yeah, I guess these galleries, you know, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna rely on some sort of AV company of some sort to try to make the project happen. And I feel like there might be a little bit of a vacuum there as these get bigger. Um, there's for more, you know, there's a company called Muse. Um, Muse.place is their website, and they just got picked up by Y Combinator. And they're kind of working on this. Um, th if like you can go to the website right now on mobile or desktop, and it's it's like a, a virtual experience that you control like a video game. I think that's one of the most promising tech uh, endeavors right now. Like that, it sounds a lot like what you guys are talking about. And they also have, they've done like NFT ex exhibits. Well, I, I think the thing that's ex exciting to me about NFTs and digital art is that you can go beyond just like a, you know, a standard 24 by 36 inch frame, you know, um, 
there's so much cool tech in the in the video projection and LED world that you could do all sorts of crazy shit with it. My like my biggest problem as like and the when I did my internship at the Snite, um, one of the biggest things, and I don't know if this would apply with uh, augmented reality and or VR, um, is when you're using projectors, like. Uh, they would be used a lot more in art galleries, but shadows are such a problem, especially for like. Well, it's all LED now, man. I mean, um, we're getting we're getting into pixel pitches on LED panels that are, you know, like a, a three foot a three foot by three foot panel could be higher than four K resolution. And I've done a couple shows Jeez. where we've pushed sixteen K total pixel uh, resolution on stuff um, that is just fucking absurd. Um, it's, it, it's crazy. It'll be cool to see like, as like displays evolve like that and digital camera technology. Cause like, since uh, like my boom and NFTs, like my sensor went from like 20 megapixels to like 43 or something. So I'm shooting much larger photos now. And like, as I'm like, well, trying, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say like, as like, as, you know, like as I'm starting to sell works and like thinking about displaying my work and stuff. I'm starting to think about like, okay, I need to preserve the resolution because like the technology you're talking about is coming around just as I'm getting around to showing where I could, I could display a piece as large as a Gregory Crudson piece. If I'm really like, you know, careful about like how I treat the file and, um, and how much exactly. the image and like before you had to shoot on large format to, to get that kind of resolution. But now like, any kid with a camera can can shoot a, a basically a mural and um it's it's gonna be really cool uh, uh, once again it's just like nft space everybody gets a seat at the table but um like that's why i'm excited about photographers getting into the spaces because a lot of people are getting to upgrade their gear um and you're seeing these photographers who are shooting on like basic starter cameras who are at professional levels of work now like starting to have the equipment to like really build a portfolio for themselves well it's and coming from the photographer standpoint for years i've been practicing my trade and getting my skill set right and getting better at processing in order to produce high resolution prints right um or if i do you know panoramas where i'm combining you know 10 shots of a 47 megapixel camera the amount of pixels in that image just is not translating to say foundation, you know? So it, this has been kind of a learning experience for me is about, you know, um, when I create the image file to mint, what resolutions should I be using? You know, um, there's recommended by the platform. Some people tell me just make it as big as you can. Um, and I'm still kind of swimming through that, um, because I, I, I don't want to have to do this again. Or I don't want to go and mint a piece of mine that like loses resolution um, because of the platform. Um, and I know some people are, are doing some projects that are huge. Um, we're also limited by that file size only lets you uh, uh, include, say, video clips or animations that are so long. Um, and I'm just I'm curious to see how this um, grows and how this changes and and hopefully with you know, from the, you know, from a photographer standpoint, um, we're able to push these higher resolutions and maybe that'll help shift some of these platforms, uh, to kind of cater to that. Cause you know, you take a crypto punk or, or any of these avatars or whatever. And it's like, if it's a little bit more pixelated, nobody cares, 
Um, but if you're shooting something that you're spending hours capturing to get perfectly sharp, you know, um, it's just, it's kind of a bummer to see it get pixelated or dumbed down because of the platform. Yeah, I've had to, I, most of my files are 60 megabytes plus because um, I tend to composite and uh, I, I've had to downsize my files incredibly just to get them onto um, NFT websites. It would it would be really cool to see them kind of like as photographers move over, like realizing that like a lot of times we're spending eight, nine hours editing these images and putting layer and layer and layer and these are big files and um like we want the collector to get the full resolution image. Even yeah, but I also you notice too an interesting thing. I I was doing some just studying on this. If you go to any of the different platforms, um, you can right click download these images in full resolution. And you know I, I get in our space that you know everybody's like ah whatever it's not the NFT who gives a shit. But there's still people out there again who who go and download your image illegally and and if you give them a big enough you know resolution they could go print it and and i know this is just like a photographer thing i think in a lot of ways that we we've just been bred to like be you know anxious about that so um and i also uh, noticed too that some images include their metadata like i on my on my print files i have all the metadata attached to it like what camera it was shot with what lens the settings uh, tags, anything else I, I have, because I utilize that in my own website to organize my photos. Um, but I notice like foundation strips all that metadata off that image. Um, whereas like super rare keeps everything. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, you know, like why super rare and like is, you know, super rare, but it, it will be cool to see them. Like, I think as we voice our community, like opinions as a community to like, to have them upgrade the tech. But I, I think that getting your images stolen, just like talk about that. Like I've been lucky enough to like make my name in academia and have my work studied a lot. And something I realized is like a lot of like professors will reach out to me for like the full resolution images for like slideshows and PowerPoints. And so what I did is I just made them available on my website. I mean, like uh, the fact of the matter is like I still make most of my money selling my physical prints. My physical prints go for like eight to nine K and my NFTs only go for one to two ETH, sometimes three or four. So like the way I see it is like, yeah, you can print off my image all you want. Like if you look on Tumblr and Pinterest and shit, like my stuff is everywhere. There's nothing I can do about that. So might as well just give them the resources to do it. What what's really going to hold value and longevity is like the piece of artwork that like I process and I frame and my signature goes on the back. That's the real like Joey Miller piece. The 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 one that's printed off. Like I don't give a fuck. You can sell it. You can have it as a poster. Like do what you want with it. It's, there's nothing you can do as an artist to prevent it. So it's not even worth getting upset about. Yeah, that's true. I get I get that. The other thing I was thinking is for collectors, you know, and, and getting into this physical, you know, the add-on physical print or something like that, or or like giving collectors a high resolution, high resolution file so they can print it. And I personally, I'd prefer to curate that process. Like QC that, like if somebody wants a print, I'd rather be the one that delivers it to the print shop and gets it shipped off and, and deal with that, you know? Um, so yeah. that's just an important part of what I'd like to do for a collector just to make sure that what hits them is the best possible quality I can give them. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, a lot of like 
NFT collectors who have gone and like seen the the value of my physical pieces and bought them are like, well, why am I not getting it right away? And I'm like, well, I have to like pick paper. I have to like uh, know what kind of ink I'm using. Like I, I have, there's a lot of processing that goes into like making one of my pieces of artwork because like at the end of the day, like what's, what I send to a collector is a direct representation of me. Like what I'm giving them is what that person is going to think of me for the rest of their time at, at knowing of my artwork so i want to give them like the absolute best the perfect signature like i have literally ripped up like 400 dollars prints before because i fucked up the signature i'm like no i don't like this doesn't look like my signature i i, I don't give a fuck and like my assistant is like that was 500 dollars. why did you do that and i'm like because like we can spare 500 dollars. it like i would rather them have the ex what exactly what i want them to have then me just like slap my signature on there, drop ship it and fucking send it off. Um, well, and that sort of care, man, that sort of attention is like, I think what we got to remember to have when we're minting our NFTs too. Like it took me two weeks to mint my first one. Once I knew I, I got my invite to foundation because I was just, I, I burned a couple. I like, I had a spelling error in my description that really didn't matter, but I, I couldn't let it go. So I burned it. Um, and that, you know, I also see NFTs going up with like willy nilly, like who gives a shit. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, how, however you want to make your art, that's fine. But coming from that, from that standpoint with you, Joey, it's like, I want to put that same amount of care and thought into any piece of art that a collector gets from me. And I have a lot of respect for you, for you, Jordan, for like saying that, you know, like it's, it's good to see other artists that are like-minded in the sense of like, we really fucking care about like what the person gets at the tail end. And um, I think a lot of like photographers and stuff, like they see at NFTs is like, Oh, I don't have to send off a print. It's like kind of quick money. Well, when in reality, you should like Jordan said, be putting as much thought into like the description and the curation of your NFT projects as you should your physical prints. And like anyone who's like sold physical prints and like the high end knows like, People will like give you feedback, um, and NFT collectors have been very tolerant of people, um, and like how they're kind of like sloppily putting their stuff together. But um, you see, like, like Ravi is in the audience. Ravi Vora is a very good example of a very organized artist. Um, he's a great photographer, and he his collections come out when they come out. He does a good job promoting them, but he isn't too loud in your ear. And, like, that's the kind of, like, artists that, like, you love to see on the timeline. What you don't like to see is, like, people who are just throwing shit up and then shilling nonstop and, and not really, like, caring about who their art goes to or why the artwork, like, was connected to by the person who's purchasing it and, like, the story behind it. There's a, there's a level of care that, like, I think the artists that are going to survive in this market the longest are putting into their work that is like directly reflected in what Jordan said, like really caring about what the collector gets because it, in reality, someone, this person's investing in you. Like they're literally spending their money saying either one, I love your artwork enough to like to purchase it and to own it at a high price or two, I'm doing this as an investment and I think that your art career is going to take off and I'm going to buy this as an asset and, you know, store it and sell it later on. Either way you look at it, that person is is investing in your future. So you really have to give them the best of the best. 
otherwise you're you're wasting your time because you're not gonna have any longevity if you're just slapping shit together there's one other trait i found too that's you know uh unique to the digital art space especially at least coming from a photographer standpoint again is like what the the type of display that people see your art on affects the colors of the image right so like if somebody has a wide gamut monitor versus just an srg monitor um if you're using a certain web browser some web browsers don't respect color space um i found this with i i set up a cyber gallery and on one browser it looks correct on another browser all the colors are fucked and that's because i'm using a wide gamut monitor for my photo editing right um you know, and this is this is something that we've been dealing with, posting our shit on social media for years, and trying to trying to produce an image that looks pretty close on every possible monitor that most people have. But when you start talking about thousands of dollars on a on a piece of art, like that's another thing that sticks with me. Like if I sell somebody something and they put it on the wrong screen or they're not getting to see the, what the true image is, it kind of bothers me. Something that you could do to prevent that would be to put the color profile uh, that the photograph is under um, that you would use for printing or viewing. Um, well, then that's the, in the metadata, right? So, like, like I was saying, well, like but, Foundation strips all the metadata from your file, where yeah. like Super Rare keeps it all. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Since they strip the metadata, because I don't think it's like the, uh, to the educated photographer, like when you post in 4k, I can literally look up the metadata on your photo and see everything about it. Like you, you have to understand like how much information you're giving away. I don't think a lot of photographers know that. Like I'll always fucking like be like, Oh shit, what do they shoot on? When did they shoot this? You know, like that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of times it just ends up being like a screenshot from their previous Twitter. But, um, when you post 4k, like digital JPEG file with the metadata in it, like there's so much information that I think Jordan's right. The collectors like deserve to have, and like that's part of the photography experience is like that these digital files write this information for us that makes the file trackable and i think that's important to collectors like the whole point of my one of my favorite parts about nfts is how trackable each transaction is like how you can trace the owner of a piece of art all the way back to the start um and like metadata directly helps people do that so you know like in a hundred years when people are looking back at the NFT space and they're looking back, they're like metadata and that sort of thing is going to be useful to people who are studying this renaissance of like artwork and in the crypto space. Well, one of the things I utilize on my, on my website is um, I keep all the camera data, right? All the EXIF data attached to my files. So you can browse my archive by what lens I used or what shutter speed I used, or what aperture I used. And, I mean, it's pretty geeky shit. I think most people won't care, but, like, I think it's pretty awesome as a photographer. Um, and I, I see almost, like, these collectibles, like the avatars, right? They all have traits, whether it's a, a grin or a lazy eye or an eye patch. And it would be rad maybe to build in those traits into photo images on OpenSea. You know, so you could see, I don't know, like it might, it won't affect the rarity per se of the image, but they are say searchable traits. Um, they're part of that image. It's, it's, it's how that image was made. 
Yeah, that would be that would be very cool. There's a lot of there's a lot a lot of room for photography to expand um, in the space right now because um, the space wasn't really built for photographers, but that's starting to change. Uh, Bitsky made a pretty good, uh, not a pretty good, a decent run uh, at showcasing photographers. But you know, my drop with them was very successful, and then fucking they did a drop with the Undertaker from WWE, and I was like, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. I think the drop after mine was like somebody selling pictures of their feet. And I was like, what the fuck? And they, none of them sold. And it was like, it was almost embarrassing because it was like, holy shit, I just, you know, sold like 15 grand worth of artwork on this website. And now they're selling pictures of people's feet as a joke. It was kind of humiliating. So like, I, I want like a, a, someone to try to do what Bitsky did, but like do it right. And, um, and really, like, create a space that's, like, curated for photographers. Yeah, we're probably just melting people's minds right now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry for all the photography talk, folks. Now you're like, we're, I'm, I'm geeking out over our uh, art box curated set and all the people aping in. Um, we're down to, like, 500 tokens in the LP, so I'm looking at re-adding some liquidity um that way people can keep buying it geez what when when you started today what was your because it, it sounds like you're feeling better about it than you ever thought you were what did what did you think this morning was best case scenario i would have been really happy if we had a hundred fractional buyers in a 24-hour period um from when we launched the set like like a hundred buyers of any collection, whether it's like a hundred art blogs, hundred X copy, whatnot, or whatever. And to see right now that you know we've been live for four hours and twenty minutes, um, and there's a hundred and thirty four people who own the art blocks one two three token. Like that's really cool to me. Um, I'm not sure what the X copy is at right now, but it there were a lot of people who were pretty vocal in some discords about there not being demand for um non-floor fractionalized pieces and i just thought they were completely wrong and like thought they were kind of just talking out of their ass and now it's you know nice to see that there is demand for this like this x copy is valued at over 200 ethereum and people are still saying like hey this is a great opportunity for me to um own tokenized like you know fractions of this x copy i need it yeah i agree i, th I think what you know it, it's easy to think that there isn't demand for it so i think if it was like considered extremely unlikely that there would ever be a buyout for these things and we had just like a very lame ui that didn't make uh make people feel like they were they were collecting or that wasn't exciting for them um I think that it would be really hard to garner demand for, for like higher value things. But, but I think like kind of this was kicked off by the, the ape buyout on, on Niftex that's going on right now. Um, and, and kind of like in general, if, if you are confident that there could be a buyout in the future and like that there are going to be, um, you know, these, whales who at some point do want to fully own some really rare and exclusive nft whether it's a 
whether it's a CryptoPunk or an X copy piece or something, then like it can be really exciting to own a piece of that where in the future someone might want to buy the whole thing from you or just like, you know, own a, a part of something that other, you know, other people would pay a lot more money to own the entire thing of kind of in the same way, like, you know, uh, there aren't a ton of examples of, of like really valuable things in the real world that, um, are like that, that uber elite. But like one of the things I think about is like sports teams. I saw Peter Jennings tweet the other day about how there's, you know, only nine alien crypto punks, but there's like 32 football teams and, and 30 basketball teams and stuff. And that's kind of a way that, you know, billionaires in the world right now signal their wealth. And, you know, if I could, if I could own a small percentage of a basketball team to, to be a part of that, like I, I definitely would be interested in it. And so I, I kind of just like, I view this almost uh, akin to that, but it, in the blockchain world, in a lot of ways, when it comes to, you know, collecting a small amount and wanting to own a part of something that not very many people could afford to own the entirety of. Yeah, I've always wanted to own an X copy, one of one. Uh, I still hope to own one outright one day, but I just aped into the fractionalized X copy, five eyes, which is a really, really sick piece. And now I can say that I sort of own part of an X copy, one of one, which is like just really freaking awesome. So, Andy, Change nice work. Congrats a lot. <laughs> yeah, I just saw your tweet on that. I was going to say congratulations, Michael. That's fucking awesome. It's really cool. I'm so excited. Like, this is awesome that this is possible. And, and like, if this is the type of – these are the types of leaps and bounds technologically that we can make this early in NFTs. It makes me really excited to see what is going to be possible in two, three, four, five years, even ten years. Um, yeah, this is really exciting. I mean, when I started in the physical art world, I, this was always one of the things that I would have jumped on board in a second. You know, if I could get a fraction – of a famous Monet or, I mean, hell, the Mona Lisa, something like that. To me, that would have maybe at certain times in my life been more valuable than having my own one-on-one or something. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's just, you know, in, in the same way that, like you said, the Mona Lisa and these things exist. I, I'm very confident that we'll find ourselves in a crypto world with things just like that. Like how I remember uh, Perugia's really solid uh, Twitter thread when they bought their alien and kind of they explained a lot of this very very elegantly. Um, there there are definitely going to be some very important digital goods that a lot of people would love to own and collect a percentage of. Yeah, I also think it's a great way to build a community, um, like uh, especially as DAOs, you know, and the emergence of sort of NFT collecting DAOs uh, continue to rise. I think fractionalizing something that's typically expensive is an awesome way to get to build a community um, where, you know, if X copy only has, you know, if there's if there's only nine alien punks, right, or if X copy only has however many, uh, let's say it's 50 pieces or whatever, right, there's only like the the community of collectors can only be 50 at that point, right? Or nine for alien punk collectors. And there's a part of that exclusivity that's really cool. Um, and obviously owning something outright has certainly another level of sort of prestige or, 
you know, glamour associated with it. But, but, but to be able to fractionalize something that is incredibly scarce allows you to expand the community of collectors that get exposure to that. And that's really, really powerful for growing, not just the value of that piece, but for growing the, you know, the fame of that piece as well. And I think that's really, really cool. I think that's really awesome. Like I'm such a huge fan of fractional. I've been playing around with it all day and I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really amazed by how smooth and clean it is. Yeah, I'm just like looking through the website. The UI is really easy to like use, and it's just very like very good. I might. I'm trying to decide what I, I'm buying into something. I don't know what. Yeah, I'm glad. Thanks. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, it is essentially in in no part my doing, other than using it and giving feedback. But uh, Crypto Samurai is incredibly talented and. Uh, He's done a really good job building out this this first version of the site. Um, it's, it's one of the things where you know we, we didn't really know when we were going to launch it first, and we had a, we had a version up on on Gurley for a while that was slightly different, and uh, uh, you know we kind of decided to, to push back launching because there wasn't really a rush, and we were able to kind of clean it up and, and refresh things a little bit, and I'm really happy with how it came out so far. Um, I think there's a long way to go. I think. Uh, Probably something that most people haven't even really looked at is on the top right corner where you have like a drop down to your profile. You can like see what vaults you've created and what collectibles you own and what fractions you own and what percentage of the total of those things you have, which is really cool. And something that I think should probably be more up, you know, up front and center that uh, than we even have it right now. Um, and so I, I think that that's, that's probably where a lot of our, our site design can can still continue to grow and get a lot better is how do we really just continue to emphasize that, you know, how do we make it really exciting to say, Oh shit, I'm the, I'm the fifth largest five eyes holder. And that's really cool. And that, that like means something to me. Um, and whether that's working with different, um, one thing that I think would be cool is working with different NFT display companies and projects and say, maybe set up some type of redemption systems where, you know, you can only buy the the display for <clears throat> you can only buy the infinite objects for five eyes if you own one percent of the of the tokens and, and give people goals and things that they can work towards to collect. Thanks for listening. And that concludes episode seven of D Spaces. If you want to catch the rest of this conversation, please go listen to episode eight. Thanks.